Hello, everybody, and welcome to All N. My name is Layers of Seth. And my name is Turok3, Eric of Oblivion. Eric, hey, I mean, what, what could you possibly have to be sad about, dude? Cheer up. Super Mario Wonder just came out. Yeah, I, I, I know, and I'm, I am super excited for it. I am. But that's part of it. I mean, between that and, and Puzzle Bobble and Sonic Superstars, I I just haven't been feeling very spooky this week. And, and, and we're so deep into spooky season. I feel like, you know. Well, hey, would it make you feel better if we made today's episode extra spooky? Uh-huh. Well, when it comes to indie horror on the Switch, it doesn't get much more prolific than Bloober Team. And I know you're a big fan of Rooker Hauer. How about today in the Indie Showcase, we feature the cyberpunk psychological horror of Observer? That would make Spooky Eric very happy. And we're doing another monstrous top five creature feature today. I'll even let you pick the monster we talk about. Well, vampires are cool. Well, there you go. That settles it. Today, we'll be counting down our top five favorite vampires in Nintendo history. Yay! But I mean, like, I, I, I do still love those colorful mascot platformers like Mario and, and Sonic. Could, could we somehow find a way to talk about both? Yeah, so high maintenance. Um, I, I mean, uh, of course, our friend Jules Washam is returning to the show today to tell us all about uh, last week's release of Dimension the Ward on Nintendo Switch, as well as give us the lowdown on the game we finally have a release date for after six years, Hatch Tales. Yes, yes, it's a spooky season miracle, but, but, but do you know what would really put me back in the October mood? You know, somehow I have a very good idea. Yeah, well, you're right about that. All right, everybody, let's play that Halloween intro. It's time to go all in. That's right, everybody. Halloween intro has been played, and we're here for another spooky episode of All In a Nintendo Podcast, the weekly Nintendo variety show reaching every week. No shells left unturned. No point is left unearned. Uh-huh. Are you feeling, feeling a little better now, Eric? Yes. Feeling a little... Yes, I'm, little... Uh, I always feel better when you know I get to come here and, and hang out with you and talk about both video games and spoopy stuff, but honestly, there's something about this show that makes me even happier seth oh yeah pray tell what what is that my friend it's our amazing patrons sir that's right the wonderful friends and supporters at patreon.com slash all in podcast uh huge thanks to everybody who supports us over there especially to patrice millette who came in this week at the free trial the seven day free trial to the golden banana tier they now have patrice uh yeah hey patrice welcome on in uh thank you very much for checking us out you now have got access to a huge back catalog of exclusive content uh like the two dollar hero cast all in side quest all kinds of stuff um and just like patrice did you can go to 
to patreon.com slash all in podcast and get the seven day free trial to the golden banana tier. So welcome on in. We hope you like what you see. Uh, you know, we're, we're really, you know, proud of the amount of stuff that we're able to do for our patrons and we appreciate yep. everybody who, uh, throws a few bones our way. So, uh, but let's thank the rest of them. Let's thank our golden banana bunch like Rob Yapel, third strongest mole, Sean, Sean O'Baggins, Ashton, Tim A, a.k.a. Neoprime33, a.k.a. Nintendo Dad number four, Matt, Shy Guy City Murray, Phelan Ward, Bill Tucker, Marcus O'Neill, Liam D, Bowza, Gamer Jason, Andrew Wilkins, Foolish Fuji, Alan, hashtag look to the cookie, and now Patrice Millette. So big thanks to our golden banana bunch, but moving into our Triforce tier. Need to thank Josh Vaughn, the godfather of Tingle Love Tuesday, John Datfast Cummins of the Retrologic Podcast, as well as the On Topic Retro Podcast, the Globetrotting Jet Set Nintendo Hub and Sparky of the Nintendo Hub on YouTube, Adam Caparello of the Retro Groove Podcast, the other half of our Shy Guy Mod Squad, Shy Guy, thank you, Shy Guy, Daniel Hinojosa, Dan and Luma, Solo Something, and the legend himself. The man, the myth, the legend. Uncle Randy. Uncle Randy. Thank you very much, Uncle Randy. Thanks to everybody who supports us over there. Yeah, again, uh, seven-day free trial to the Golden Banana tier. You can see what all the fuss is about. Throw a few bones our way, just like Patrice did. We really appreciate that. Uh, we've also got merch at bit.ly slash merch, which is a great way to grab a shirt or a mug or a sticker and support us that way as well. But, um, you know, if you don't have any bones to throw away, that's okay, too. You can support us for free by dropping some words, uh, leaving us a five-star review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pod chaser any place that allows that you listen to us that allows for reviews do it and i'll shout out your review here on the show uh that is a very free and easy way to uh to su support us and get our show in front of the people who need to hear it we appreciate that um i think that's it though sir what's been going on in your world this week just so so much just so, so like we alluded to in the intro i've been playing a lot of very brechton and colorful games over the past few days and uh, unfortunately as of this recording haven't quite been able to press the start button on mario wonder but that is coming this weekend don't you worry my children but uh, i do want to shout out a game that i finally got the opportunity to play through last weekend a game that i was incredibly excited to play for most of this year and that is bramble the mountain king mm. and we thought about having it in the Indie Showcase, but ultimately, after I rolled credits on it, I did have some complicated thoughts on the game and ultimately decided that it wasn't one that I could unequivocally recommend, that the drawbacks made it just a little bit too difficult for a glowing recommendation, but... I do want to say there, there's, there, were, there were some really cool things within Bramble the Mountain King. I really dug it. It definitely gave me a lot of those, like some little nightmares vibes, some like Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons vibes. Uh, as a matter of fact, kind of little nightmares slash Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons would be a good, kind of a nice Venn diagram to put Bramble the Mountain King right in the middle of. But uh, ultimately there was... Just a little bit too much jank. I died. There were a lot of weird, like almost random deaths, just way too many. And it did ultimately impact my enjoyment of the game. There were 
there was some really bizarre pacing issues and some tonal whiplash. Genuinely, you would go from one of the most horrific scenes I'd seen on the 3DS to this beautiful open field with butterflies and friendly little gnomes. And it was, it was kind of bizarre, but ultimately once the, the game kind of discovered it needed it, an identity, there were, there were again, some really cool sequences, especially in the back half of the game, really fun, really frightening boss encounters with great character design. Uh, but again, ultimately it's not a game that I would wholeheartedly recommend, but if you play it and you really enjoy it, I completely understand your perspective on that. And honestly, if anybody out there does play it, I would love to speak with you about it. So if you do let me know, hit me up in the discord, but you know, uh, um, I know like Marcus O'Neill played it. I, I know mm-hmm. he played it and I think he liked it. I don't think he played it on switch. So it could be, I mean, you know, the tonal issues and stuff like that are going to be persistent regardless of yeah. of where you played the game. But yeah, he he played it. But other than, I think he is the only other person that I know that has played it. So Yeah, I did really like it. And like I said, my thoughts on it are complicated. I enjoyed it, but it's one of those things where it's still really hard to recommend because of its issues. Sure. Uh, but again, if you play it, let me know. I'd love to talk with you about it in our Discord. So hit me up. But other than that, uh, I do want to shout out games that I played this week that I made a couple of videos on for yeah, our you YouTube channel. So go ahead and check those out. I absolutely want to shout out Puzzle Bobble, Every Bubble, which did come out this past May, I believe, on the Nintendo Switch. But uh, just now getting around to, to checking it out right now, the latest entry in the Puzzle Bobble slash Busta Move arcade franchise, which is itself kind of a furthering of the Bubble Bobble series. Uh, but yeah, check out my video. It's, it's uh, I guess, the best way, the most simple way to put uh, the game is you have this little bubble shooter at the bottom middle of the screen and you have almost like Critter Crunch, these this stack of falling multicolored bubbles that you're just trying to make collections of three or more on and you just continue to shoot colored bubbles up into the massive stack as it's coming down at you just trying to remove uh, similarly colored bubbles and there's even a there's a single player story mode there's a versus mode which i showed off uh embarrassingly in the video (laughs) and for the 45th anniversary of space invaders which uh, this game is made by Taito, the same people that do Space Invaders. They also put a a pretty cool, honestly, little crossover mode in the game where uh, they just just call it Bubble or Puzzle Bobble versus Space Invaders, where they turn all of the titular invaders into their own kind of colored bubbles, but they can still shoot at you from the top of the screen, and they still have that kind of zigzagging pattern down the screen that they became famous for four and a half decades ago. Uh, But it's a really cool kind of mix of the two mechanics, and that can be played up to four-player locally. The standard versus mode can actually be played up to four-player local or online. And again, it does have a story mode. That being said, I do think it is a little pricey. I think it's like $40, maybe even $49.99. So uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, 
tell you to run out and get it right now at full price. But if you're a fan of old school arcade games like myself, I'm sure you'll find some enjoyment in it. I know I certainly did. But again, if you want to learn more, that's the whole reason I made the video. So check that out. Available now on our YouTube channel. Yeah, we we should say too that uh, we got the game for free. We got it from In End Games, who uh, yes. you know the, the game, like you said, came out back in in May. But they uh, they passed along a code for us to check out just this past week. So um, you know, and I knew you were a, a big fan of the the series. So yeah. good uh, good opportunity <laughs> to make a, a video about it. I, I do really love the the Bubble Bobble slash Puzzle Bobble series. I've mentioned this in, in the video as well, but I even shouted out the series during our top five ghosts list. So I put uh, a little in, in the edit. I put a little uh, thing in there for that, too, by the way. Oh, nice. Well, thank you I, very much. I, I, I had a little uh, Baron Von Blubba like kind of poke his head out real quick when you <laughs> mentioned that. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. Uh, but yeah, had a lot of fun with that. And a game that came out this past week, we also made a video on the brand new Sonic Superstars. And man, I've been looking forward to this game for a very long time. Sonic's first 2D adventure since I believe it's his new first new 2D adventure since I believe Sonic Mania from back in yeah. 2017. And I really dig the 2.5D, kind of the Duplo toy look of the characters and the world. It, it feels like it's really leaning in to the 90s design, just if it were rendered today kind mm-hmm. of aesthetic. And I mean, speaking of the 90s, they're, the UI and, and the hub and all the menu screens and everything, there's all kinds of like floating geometric shapes, like something you'd see on a Trapper Keeper from the 90s or something like that. So I do appreciate the aesthetic. I do really, really like what they were going for. I understand it's probably not going to be everybody's cup of tea. It very much comes off like uh, like they were directly targeting a younger audience with this, which is perfectly mm. fine. Uh, but I really dug it and I got to play through the first world in the video and I mean, it controls flawlessly and it immediately put me back in the mindset of playing those original Sonic games. Like even it put me back, like even before Sonic Mania it reminded me really of playing those old Sonic games on the Genesis. I mean, uh, that's the, good. I mean, yeah. That, that golden ring collection soundbite is just timeless and the the physics feel honestly like they haven't aged a day since Sonic 2. So yeah, I really, really enjoy it. If you like those old school Sonic games, I do think you'll enjoy this quite a bit. Even if you don't necessarily gel completely with the, the character designs, but uh, I really like it. It's got a nice fun little world map that's reminiscent of like Sonic Generations. And then I of course that, they've got yeah. uh, they've got the battle mode. Uh, and turns out uh, you can collect metals. There's a lot of stuff. There's gold, gold ring portals and blue ring portals and uh, like, like just ring collection portals and these gold medals that appear uh, everywhere. I didn't realize what they were for throughout the course of the video, but turns out uh, the gold medals are an in-game currency that you use to basically trick out this robo mech that you use in the battle mode of the game. So I don't know if it's uh, any like actual augments, but I think it's just a bunch of customization and, and trick out options for your, your mech uh, uh, avatar for the battle mode, but still 
I'm having a ton of fun. It is, again, another full retail price game. So let your conscience be your guide on that. It's the same length as classic Sonic games. It's not going to be like a 15-hour campaign. Right. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. But again, I do understand if full retail price, if people figure that's maybe a little bit too expensive considering all of the other amazing games coming out around this time. But still, again, that's why we made the video. So go ahead and check that out. Also available right now on our YouTube channel. Yeah, I um I, I was interested to see your gameplay for this um because like my, I was really concerned with like obviously you got to make some concessions to make these games run well on Switch. It looks like it runs great. Um, it does, yeah, it really does. It looks like it runs totally smooth, totally perfectly. I will, you could tell the visuals have a downgrade, like the the yeah. resolution. You know, it can it looks a little bit blurry. You know, there's a little kind of something going on. It doesn't look bad, but it definitely has been scaled back. Um, Game Explained put out like a comparison video and you can tell like there's a there's a big, you know, point of difference. But, on you know, by and large, like if you're a Nintendo Switch gamer, you're not playing like so. This is not Mortal Kombat 1, which is now the new standard bearer for bad Switch ports. This seems to be a good Switch port. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, honestly, unless I were going to actively seek out those comparison videos, I don't right. know that I would ever notice anything. Uh, I, the one big thing that I'd noticed is transitioning from act one to act two during the gameplay video. Like when it was doing that switch from act one to act two, there was a, a very noticeable kind of like hiccup as it mm. kind of, you know, lurched into act two. Uh, but that's really it. And I'm perfectly fine. Like, like I can deal with that. If that's the worst thing the game has in terms of performance, I can deal with that. I'm not worried about it. But in terms of first impressions go, uh, it made a very strong first impression. I can't wait to go fast back to Sonic Superstars. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Very nice. A couple other just small things continuing to, to try to touch pumpkin jack here and there trying to to finish that up didn't really get to to delve too much into any more spooky movies this week unfortunately just been too busy uh but yeah bramble the mountain king sonic superstars uh the game that we're going to be talking about in the indie showcase and uh puzzle bobble every bubble that uh, that was a good good chunk of my week but how about you my friend nice well i still haven't played detective pikachu returns uh, I was wondering about that. I was going to ask you about that. So still hasn't happened. It's it was too late, dude. They like I I ended up getting it in the mail like well after the release date, like nearly a week after I was supposed to get it, and it was too late. Like that that was the big thing. Is like I I had the time to play it then. And then, like, they brought in, like, by that time, it's like, cool, now I'm already ramping up into getting ready for Mario Wonder and stuff like this. It's like, I didn't have the time to fit it in uh, ahead of Mario Wonder, so it's going to have to... The the nice thing is, and you brought this point up, because I was stressing. I was like, man, I really wanted to, like, review this and, like, talk about it and, like, stream it and stuff like this, and I just couldn't find the space for Detective Pikachu Returns, and you were like, well, it's too bad we didn't just introduce a whole concept on our podcast about, uh, you know, going back and reviewing games we didn't have time to review. Uh, So we did debut the concept of a boomerang review uh, just a couple of weeks ago on the show, so I think that's what's going to happen. I think 
Um, you know, once the dust has sort of settled after this kind of October, November timeframe, uh, we will throw out the boomerang flower and come back to Detective Pikachu Returns. So uh, we'll we'll get there. I'm sorry I wasn't able to cover it, you know, beforehand, but it just had I got it when I was supposed to get it, I would have been able to. And I just didn't. And so I couldn't. So that happened. Uh, in the meantime, I'm sort of in a little bit of a holding pattern with just playing more Suica game, which is like, <laughs> hey, yes, can everybody congratulate Seth on his watermelon? Yeah, well, I got a watermelon. Now the thing is, get, merely getting the watermelon is not enough <laughs> because it's, it's it's just <laughs> the first step toward greatness. Yeah, because the the big challenge that everybody is sort of trying to achieve with Suica game is uh, is getting over three thousand points, and that's hard. Um, because not only do you have to get a watermelon, but typically to get 3000 points, you have to get a second watermelon and make the watermelon disappear. So that's hard because like when you get the water, you know, the objective of the game is to not let the fruit come out of the top of the basket and the watermelon alone is like half of the basket. So it's tough. Um, I've not been, I've gotten very close. My high score is like 2974, something like that, like (laughs) very close. Um, but I've not been able to crack three K yet, but in like the sort of pursuit, um, to, to crack three K, I have been like playing the crap out of this game. Like, I just can't like when I get done with like my sort of day of work and I'm, you know, I have my dinner and I'm just sort of like out in the living room. Like I keep reaching for that. I'm like, I want to play the stupid watermelon game. <laughs> and um, it's just this nice, simple, arcadey experience. And it's kind of great. Um, what did you say? It was like been, 500 yen? Yeah, it's no, it's not even. It's like 200 yen. Oh, okay. Um, My bad. Yeah, it's very inexpensive on the Japanese eShop. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been playing a ton of that. Um, Vampire Survivors also, uh, you know, I, I sort of like offhandedly mentioned uh, Mortaccio on a top five recently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm always sort of like just a stiff breeze away <laughs> from, you know, being pushed back into another round of vampire survivors obsession. And so it's like, Oh, uh, mention Mortaccio during the, uh, the top five. Guess I better play like 10 more hours of vampire survivors. That's um, just kind of how that works. That's just, just kind of how that works. Just kind of how it works. <laughs> just assume whenever we talk about the games we've been playing and what we've been up to for the past week, just assume that there was another five to 10 hours of vampire yeah. survivors put in for both of us. Pretty much. That can just be like a, a working assumption moving forward. Um, but, I will say, uh, but I, speaking of, uh, speaking of gardens and yeah, uh, stuff like that, I am interested to hear about this garden guardian. You know, you've been yeah. talking a lot about fruit. What's this Garden Guardian game that I see you played? There's a, so I weirdly played two games this week that had Garden in the title. So that was weird. And both of them release, uh, well, are released by now, by the time you're hearing this. Uh, both of them came out on Friday. So same day as Mario Wonder, which is tough. Um, but they're both, <laughs> they are both genuinely worth playing. So I'll, I'll talk about both of them. Uh, yeah, the first one, Garden Guardian, um, actually came across our desk from our friend Fred Wood, um, who reached out and was like, Hey, I'm actually helping publish this game. Uh, Fred has got his own kind of like very, like literally it's just him, like his own publishing studio, uh, Mokuzai, I believe it's called, um, which is what published like the love games and like, uh, love Kuso and Polstario. Like that's basically what Fred's 
you know, label is, is Mokuzai Studio. And so Mokuzai Studio is publishing this game, Garden Guardian. And uh, so Fred passed along a code, big thanks to him for letting us check this out ahead of release. Uh, there is a video on the YouTube channel for it if you want to check it out for yourself. Um, and it is basically like a modern Game & Watch game. Um, it is very inspired by like, and Fred told me this when he'd reached out. He's like, hey, like this is very inspired by LCD games. So like Tiger Electronics, you know, Game & Watch sort of thing. And you play as this like, Sater, uh, sort of person named, uh, named Snippy, I believe her name is. Um, and she's like this sort of like Sater character who is the guardian of this, uh, of this garden. Go figure. Um, and it is like a game that is like those games were kind of on like a few different lanes. So there's like five lanes of like rooted sort of fruit bearing plants in your garden that you're having to protect. So the basic gameplay is these bugs start charging through one of the lanes and you just have to, you know, use the D pad to go and, you know, stand in the way of the bug and the plant. And when you do, uh, snippy takes out her gigantic shears and cuts them down and, um, and, and, you know, protects her garden. So it, you know, obviously ramps up in difficulty and speed. And so by the end of it, you're just like zooming through all of these lanes. Um, very much again, in the vein of like a game and watch game, the big gameplay wrinkle comes from, um, when you defeat these sort of bug like enemies, they will drop seeds that you can then feed into this kind of like carnivorous, like mother plant, that is in the background of like, you got your five lanes and in the background is this big old plant that will occasionally open up her mouth and you have to deposit the seeds into her mouth so that the, the plants that you're protecting will actually bear fruit. And so that is how you get more score. You can get back extra lives that way. And, uh, and you know, and all this other stuff, all these other benefits to growing fruit. Um, they incentivize you to do this even more because if you are holding more than five seeds at a time, Snippy will actually get slower, which will not fly. Like when you get to like a certain speed, you cannot be encumbered. So it's this constant sort of like balance of like managing, you know, the lane that you have to be on at that time, depositing the fruit, uh, the fruit seeds into the carnivorous plant and just kind of bouncing all over the place um, at high speeds. And there's a couple different enemy types and um, there's even like additional modes. So like the core mode of the game is this endless mode, which is just get the highest score you can before getting three misses and failing. Um, there's also like a trial mode, which is really interesting because there are a couple dozen little special like trials that you can take on. Um, and it's stuff like, you know, grow 30 fruit or, you know, kill X amount of enemies with only like five seeds when you can normally carry 10. Um, so, you know, little teeny tiny wrinkles that like pretty dramatically change up the gameplay. Um, there's a whole suite of like achievements and unlockable things like concept art and like main menu themes. And like, there's a sound check mode where you can listen to the game's music and sound effects for a little $5 game and watch kind of game. It's deep. And, um, I was looking at this and I was like, 
this is the kind of thing that I think there's a bit of an appetite for. It reminds me of like an Anna Lynn sort of thing. Yeah. Where well, I mean, it's it's Fred Wood, and you know, obviously with the Love series, you know, sim- uh, simple on the face, but actually fairly nuanced and and in depth. I mean, it's kind of his mo. Yeah, he it was a good fit for for Fred to publish this. Uh, the developer, at least the the lead developer on it, is uh, Liam Allen Miller, mm-hmm. um, who I think is I, I think there are a few people who who contributed to the game, but I think it is primarily uh, a sort of solo dev uh, thing, and uh, it's impressive, man. Just a high level of polish, um, very clean like animations and like visuals. Um, yeah, really impressive for five bucks. Uh, you could do a lot worse. And this is the kind of thing where like, this would be perfect to have sort of between rounds of Mario. You know, this yeah. is a perfect little sort of like point chaser, time waster thing. Um, if you're into stuff like that, then you should definitely check out Garden Guardian. Uh, again, video on the YouTube channel. Uh, it's awesome. I love it. Nice. So, Thank you, Fred. Yeah. Thank you, Fred. Appreciate you, Fred. Um, we also got a code for this game called Garden Buddies, another garden game um, that also dropped on Friday. Uh, and this game, you know, I had my eye on this. Uh, we saw it during the Wholesome Direct. Uh, the, the latest Wholesome Direct, we saw this adorable little like Apple character that was uh, so cute it made our friend Lockleth cry when she was live <laughs> reacting to it. He's that cute. His name is Mutsy, and I would die for Mutsy. Um, he's just <laughs> one of those, if anything happens to Mutsy, I'll kill everybody in this room and then myself, you know, sort of things. Um, and, like, the game is... Perfectly reasonable reaction. <laughs> exactly. The, the game is basically, like... Um, th- this game has a bunch of different modes, too, but the core game is is basically like a Viva Pinata-style thing where... I'm already sold, then. <laughs> yeah, like, you've got this little kind of garden that you um that you sort of like manage and build around with these adorable like fruit and vegetable characters that are kind of coming into play uh day by day there is a day structure to it but what really pushed garden buddies over the edge for me is the game actually has got a huge focus on like mental health and like positivity and self-care and specifically breathing based meditation, which is something that I obviously, I don't talk about it a lot on our gaming podcast. Um, but I'm really passionate about that. I have done daily breath based meditation for over two years. It literally changed my life. And so when this game introduces the concept of meditation in a very simple and readable way at the end of your in-game days. It does this thing called box breathing, which is like sort of envisioning a box, you know, and like, you know, taking in a deep breath, holding it, releasing it and meditating. And it does that at the end of each day. Mutsy just sort of like is, is kind of just chilling and meditating in this box of rocks. And it teaches the player how to do breathing based meditation. And I think that is so important and so cool. I've never seen a game sort of tackle something like that. And uh, I really commend them for that. Um, It is just so wholesome, so cute and so well considered. Uh, It also peppers in these kind of Pokemon stadium esque mini games in between everything. So like, it's not enough to just have your sort of Viva Pinata style gameplay. You've also got little mini games peppered in that are very, like, Pokemon Stadium simple, but, like, kind of just, like, simple and fun. Um, it's not going to take you... It's not, like, some big, like, long experience, but 
all of those mini games are also sort of compartmentalized into their own modes that are independently selectable in the game's menu. So even the meditation, you can actually do that as its own thing. If you wanted to, you could use Garden Buddies as a bit of guided meditation. Um, and you could use it almost like a meditation app, completely independently from the story mode. So that's really cool. There's also a little like rhythm game in there. There's like a kind of Simon Says like dancing game in there. There's like a whack-a-mole style game in there. Um, yeah, it's just, I was really impressed by it. Um, and that, again, also dropped on Mario Wonder Day, which is unfortunate. But it's <laughs> it's special. It's saying important things. And I think you should give it a look. It's Garden Buddies. Nice. So, yeah. Very cute. Very wholesome. Uh, we Didn't stand make a video of that. Is, there is a video of that. It's there on the channel. There is a video of that. Yeah. Yeah. There is a video of that also on the channel. So you can check it out for yourself and uh, and see the wholesome cuteness uh, on our YouTube channel as well. So, <laughs> But I do feel like, Eric, I do feel like we, uh, between the two of us, there has been a little too much wholesome cuteness going on for yeah, this being a little bit a little bit too little, much too much know. color too much brightness we need to bring in something like dark and spooky for a spooky indie showcase yeah i feel like something needs to die violently <laughs> it's not yeah it's it's not a spooky indie showcase if something isn't dying violently right yeah, and we actually have a pretty violent one, a fairly mature indie showcase to share with you guys uh, this week. We have somehow, across several years of doing this podcast, never once featured a Bloober Team uh, game in the spooky indie showcase. And with Bloober Team, of course, being announced as helming the brand new Silent Hill 2 remake. And Huge. As, and as weird coincidence would have it, uh, Bloober Team is about to celebrate the 15th anniversary of one of their other more famous games, Layers of Fear, with new content being announced coming within the coming week, October 24th. So be on the lookout for that. They announced new content coming to Layers of Fear cool. October 24th. Yet another reason that uh, we should be shouting them out this week. And we are doing so with a game that I've just frankly fallen in love with. Our indie showcase this week is Observer from Bloober Team. All right. So Observer, a game that like, honestly, I had only tangentially known about, obviously very familiar with Bloober Team and Layers of Fear. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, they're doing this new Silent Hill 2 remake, which I hope there is no game that needs a great remake more than Silent Hill 2. Bloober Team, please. I hope that this lives up to the hype. I am so like, I need Silent Hill 2 to be good, but that's besides the point. Um, Observer is a really interesting game. This is yeah, a is. like spooky cyberpunk sort of thing that is like a first person like cyberpunk horror detective thriller. Yes. So it is a cyberpunk psychological horror game from Bloober Team, like you said, starring the legendary late Rutger Hauer. Uh, most famously, of course, for his role as Roy Batty in Blade Runner. So, I mean, if you were wondering whether or not they were going for a Blade Runner vibe with this game, that's yeah. really all you need to know. In fact, there's even uh, a pretty great text crawl at the beginning of the game. Right. Uh, voiced by Rutger Hauer. 
and it is really good. So, and it, it does a very good job of setting the stage so much so that I don't do this very often, but I am going to read just the first couple passages of the text crawl just okay. to set you guys up for the world that we're about to talk about. The year is 2084. If they told me what the world would become, I would not have believed them. First, there was the nanophage, a disease of transition, a digital plague that swept across the land, killing thousands upon thousands of augmented souls, a heavy cost for meddling with our minds and bodies. Then came the war, the big one, the great decimation. The West killed the East. The East killed the West. There were no winners except for Chiron. The corporation seized power and forged the Fifth Polish Republic, a crooked empire of blood and ash. There was no one left to oppose them. Just imagine my unintentionally, when I say unintentionally, just just imagine my less than ominous sounding vocal performance replaced with Rutger Hauer's actually good, ominous, gruff vocal performance reading that. But uh, yeah, so this is the the world that we're dealing with. Very, not quite post-apocalyptic, but very close to being post-apocalyptic. The world's population has been ravaged by disease, disease and war. This uh, mega corporation has kind of taken over and we now live in a an incredibly dirty, dingy, trash-filled, cyberpunk dystopia. And you play as Rutger Hauer's character, Daniel Lazarski, who is a police officer, but a new breed of police officer known as Observers. And uh, they are a very special breed of police officer, which we will get into. Yeah, so full full disclosure, I've not played nearly as much of this game as Eric has, so I'm going to be kind of leaning on him for this indie showcase a bit. But I've played a little bit of the game, and especially like in the game's intro, it does set up like um, all of that sort of all of those cyberpunk trappings. That that yeah. intro that you read, I mean, that is just the right layer of cyberpunk BS. Like that kind of just <laughs> if you like if you know cyberpunk story, if you're a cyberpunk fan, you live for that kind of junk. Just stupid yeah. the nanophage and the big evil mega corporation and like you know all that stuff. That's what this game uh, has on offer. But like it's pretty like it. They do set the tone. Uh, pretty well straight away, not only with that sort of like gravelly performance of, of Rooker Hauer, but like the, um, yeah, like just the sort of like setup of the world. This is a very sort of like dingy rundown cyberpunk future apocalypse. You're like in rundown apartment tenants and stuff like this, tenements and yeah. stuff. And yeah. It actually reminds me kind of of Dread, the Carl Urban Dread movie. Yes. And yes. The reason I say that is I'm obviously not going to spoil uh, a lot of the narrative for you because I think it's amazing and it's one of the strongest aspects of this game. And I definitely wouldn't want to take that aspect of the enjoyment away from you. But the setup of this game is you begin with Daniel Lazarski in his police car. And after kind of a very quick setup, you get a phone call from your estranged 
son. Mm -hmm. And after he has to hang up the phone very quickly, Daniel triangulates the call to this large apartment complex in what is called the stacks. And he gets into this massive compound, gets up to the apartment he triangulated the signal from and winds up finding a headless corpse that isn't his son. And then the compound mysteriously gets locked down and go. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, again, I haven't gotten all that far into the game, but just based on what I've heard you say, and I've already started to see kind of like the, the seams open up. I mean, this game yeah. is already, you know, at first, and I was telling you this when I first started playing it and you had already put, you know, several hours into it by the time I had a chance to finally play it. And you oh, were yeah. like, you were like, oh yeah, like I, I love this game. This is perfect for our spooky indie showcase. When I started playing it, I was like, is it, this is like, this is the, the spooky game that that Eric thinks might might be good for, for a spooky indie showcase. I wasn't like sold on it being a spooky game, but then like <laughs> it starts to kind of reveal itself to you. It starts, the seams start to open up a little bit and the sort of psychological thriller horror stuff starts to come in. And because this is like a cyberpunk world and setup, the game plays with, and because like this main character is kind of reliant on like, cyberpunk technology as a as an observer um like they kind of play with this sort of glitchy like horror going on all over the place yeah so there are god there's so much to get into but as an observer you have the ability to do what are called neural interrogations Mm. And the gameplay for Observer kind of switches between uh, the real world where you kind of have, you have these cybernetic optical enhancements that uh, give you the, but you basically have like multiple types of like Batman's detective vision from the Arkham games. Right. Essentially you have one type of detective vision that is much more technologically focused. So you can look at uh, like technological instruments of interest in the Mm -hmm. area. There's another one that's more biological in nature. So, you know, like blood spatter and scratch marks, fingerprints, stuff like that. You can seek those out with that. You ultimately get access to a, um, a night vision mode as well. But being a police officer, being this elite type of police officer, a large part of the, uh, of the game is within the real world, kind of this detective puzzle solving stuff going on. And the game takes place in 2084. And if it wasn't immediately apparent that they're trying to reference uh, George Orwell's classic dystopian fantasy, the book 1984 is found very very early on literally in the game literally so and you can't miss uh, it like you actually need to find it (laughs) yeah uh but you have that within the real world you're going to be searching around a lot trying to find either technological or biological uh, elements of interest and then again just solving puzzles but then on the flip side to that you can do these neural interrogations You can actually hack into the minds of the people around. You can hack into the minds of these criminals and Mm -hmm. these victims. And let's just say 
these aren't the minds of well-adjusted people. No. And it produces some, like legitimately some of the best mind trip, like des- uh, level design and sequences that I've ever seen in a game. I made a reference to the Batman Arkham series. The Scarecrow sequences, especially from Batman Arkham Asylum, mm. are some of the coolest things that I've experienced like that, like the kind of mind trip drug induced fantasy uh, that gives way to some really creative level design. The stuff that happens in Observer makes those sequences in Arkham Asylum look like absolutely trash. It It is incredible what they do with the mind-bending sequences that you experience in Observer, in my opinion. It is so cool to see, uh, again, just the way that these... It just, it feels like a dream and a hallucination and a bad drug trip. I would assume I don't have experience, but what I imagine a bad drug trip mixed with a dream, you know, surrounded by a nightmare inside of, you know, an enigma. It is, it is incredibly creative and consistently frightening, wonderfully so in the best possible way. Uh, like once you go in there, like genuinely, like all bets are off. The gloves yeah. are off. Like literally anything could happen. And some of the stuff that does is just like, it it defies description. It's pretty intense. And I, and I will say, and the game has this warning when you boot it up to huge epilepsy warning, huge, yeah. Like in terms of flashing imagery and things kind of like, yeah, popping in and out and like a bunch of like movement and light and color, like the, the, I don't even have epilepsy and I felt like I was getting triggered by some of the stuff I was seeing sometimes. So like kind of be, be aware of that. The game also has, you know, it was, it was interesting. I, I've, I've enjoyed talking to you about the game as I've been Mm -hmm. playing it because, um, you know, when I first started playing the game, I was like, this game's got a really like kind of there's a little bit of a visual and you know it's on the switch so it is going to take a little bit of a visual hit anyways yes, but like of course. you know that that's always a thing but i was like this game has got like a like a fuzziness to it i felt like i was going cross-eyed looking at it at some point and then you were like actually that's the kind of thing that is happening naturally because this character is an observer and has to like basically self-medicate um, the sort of deterioration of the own technology that is making his, you know, ocular functions happen. Um, the game, if you don't self-medicate, will progressively look a bit fuzzier and eventually like full on, like sort of disintegrate around you until you medicate. Yeah. So you can find, uh, it's in terms of collectibles within the game, there's no real items to use necessarily outside of a couple key items that you'll pick up and use as needed, but you can find this medication around and pick up and almost imperceptibly, almost imperceptibly, the game will continue to kind of visually degrade and become a little bit grainier and make it look like there's just a little bit more of a film and a dinge over everything and your ocular like your vision in the screen will start to glitch here and there and eventually the game is going to say hey we recommend that you take some medicine big boy and you do 
And it's like all of a sudden, it's it's like putting a new pair of glasses on. It's like wow, like the the game just clears up completely. It's such an it's such a remarkable effect, and it's so cool. Just the level of extra immersiveness that that adds into the game. I really really appreciate that. And it was one of those things where I really felt like I had to be on the lookout for this stuff as I was moving throughout the course of the game. I wanted to make sure not to miss this because for obvious reasons, you know, like I that's not how you want to go through life. Uh but it was it was just such a cool aspect of the game which uh, helped with the world building, helped with the immersiveness, and made finding these items feel like a necessity. Not so much like I'm afraid something's going to jump out and kill me, but like just this subtle way of just this subtle visual cue of your character is constantly degrading. Yeah, that's that's really cool, man. It's it's a neat effect. Like I didn't even know that that was like what was going on there. Um, and once you told me, that, I was like, that's super neat. So. Yeah, it is. And again, yes, because it is still uh, on the Switch, it isn't going to look as good as the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5 version, which admittedly do have a, a slightly enhanced version of the game available on offer. It's called the System Redux version. So if you have an okay. Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5, I absolutely recommend checking those versions out. Uh, but like even on the Nintendo Switch... When I saw the trailers for it, I'm like, there's no way it actually looks like that because the game's visual style is really meant to emulate kind of these next gen cinematic uh, adventure games. And it actually does look like that. The the elements and the, uh, the assets and the environments do look very next gen in terms of the level design and in terms of just the asset design in general, toned down, of course, for the Nintendo Switch. But in terms of a game looking like this and running this well, I was still incredibly impressed with the Nintendo Switch's version of this title. And I will say that does come with one big caveat, that being this may wind up being the biggest game by file size that we've ever properly reviewed on this show. If it's not, it's close. This game is 18 gigs and it doesn't have a physical version. So you do have to, to make sure that you have enough space on your Nintendo switch before you attempt to download it. Yeah, that's, that's worth notating. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a big one and it definitely, it has a lot of that, you know, sort of AAA production value. It's impressive, like what, yeah. what they've managed to uh, have running like decently well on the Switch. Another thing that impressed me straight away, uh, I was playing the game here in my office with my headphones on and the sound design of the game is really yeah. strong. Like not only just, yeah, you've got Rooker Hauer's like gravelly voice and he's doing his, his Rooker Hauer thing. Um, but like the actual like, ambience of like everything happening around you, these sort of subtle kind of like synthy, um, you know, soundtrack kind of underscoring everything is really effective. The little yeah. like pieces of sound design, whenever you trigger like one of your different like detective modes, like you were saying, like little tiny things, the, the beeps and boops of like scanning and pulling up your little, you know, sort of like a uh, cyber arm hand menu. Um, <laughs> yeah. All of that stuff. Like, I was really impressed with the sound design of the game. 
yeah, the the pause menu is it it feels like kind of a nod to Goldeneye 007 because yeah. when you go into the menu, he's got this big apparatus on his hand. It's the one that administers the medication and it's got uh, like his HUD display and all of his files and everything like that. So you actually look down on his hand and it shows up the entire display as the menu. And it's really cool. There's a lot of like, frankly, incredible presentational uh, elements to this game. And speaking of incredible presentational elements, special shout out to the opening credit sequence of this game, which oh, is yeah. genuinely stunning. It's like a Nine Inch it, Nails music video. It, it basically, yeah. <laughs> it's like something directly out of a psychological horror movie. Like there's a straight up movie style, like right after that opening text crawl. Yeah. If you want, like, if you were thinking about whether or not this felt cinematic or not, there's an actual honest to goodness opening text crawl followed by an actual honest to goodness movie style opening credit sequence that is, again, genuinely stunning. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it is an impressive game, uh, for sure. And it seems like I mean, how how long would you say this thing is? We're seeing it's like we're we're thinking it's kind of like in that six to eight hour range. Uh, honestly, I would put it more around ten. Okay. And if if somebody said twelve, I'd be like, okay, that sounds right too, because especially on a first playthrough, because a lot of it is detection, and because I'm an idiot. <laughs> the the game is called Observer. You do have to be fairly observant. Sure. There were a couple things that it took me an embarrassingly long time to figure out because I just missed something right in front of my face. Now, there is a lot of a deceptively large amount of area to scan um, even though you're you're kind of in this compound, it's not a large open world. It's very claustrophobic often. Uh, another one of the things that the game does very, very well, in my opinion. Uh, but there is more area than you would probably expect that you need to scan, that you have to look around on and find stuff in. That being said, if you are smarter than the average bear, if you are observant, you hopefully shouldn't have too many issues with uh, the more puzzle style elements of the game. But again, me being me, I did have trouble with a couple of them. Okay. Well, it's, it's good to know. It's like a, it is a full meaty cinematic yeah. sort of like cyberpunk horror experience. And we, we've kind of buried the lead a little bit because another huge kind of reason we're covering it is you can get this game for dirt cheap. It is on sale Man. through the end of the month, like through November 2nd is when, and, and a lot of like all of Bloober team's games on switch right now are on sale, but you can get observer for just four forty nine. You probably have enough gold coins to get this That's right. That's what now. I did. Me too. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah, dude, $4 and 50 cents. This is again, what I would describe as a full sized, game. Yes. I would I wouldn't have batted an eye, batted an eye <laughs> if uh, <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Uh if I had paid full price for this as a retail game after having played it, if I had paid full price for this as a retail game, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, that tracks. It's $4.50 right now until the end of the month and that is like on 1000%. That is such the an easy recommend from me. 
Like, I don't even know if we can be friends if you don't go for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, an impressive package. It's got a lot going for it. Um, there are other games too, like that both uh, Layers of Fear Legacy and Layers of Fear 2 are on yeah. Switch uh, as well. Layers of Fear Legacy is $2.99. Layers of Fear 2 is $4.49 as well. So big old Bloober Team sale going on like through the end of the month. The cloud version of the medium. I haven't played that. That's on sale as well. So uh, big old like Bloober team blowout but i think observer is kind of the the crown jewel here and we uh we had to tell you all about it oh absolutely like i was already a rutger hauer fan uh i you know sin city and hobo with a shotgun hitcher uh buffy the vampire slayer since uh, i've already mentioned sim city uh or sin city rather but yes and of course in addition to his legendary turn as Roy Batty and Blade Runner, I've really like there was something about Rutger Hauer that just always stuck with me. Something about his presence and and his gravelly charisma. Uh, so I was always, you know, when I saw his attachment to this game, that was immediately uh, good enough for me to check it out. But then I played it, and you know, I, I said it kind of in the lead up to this segment. But honestly, like I really think I love this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is when it comes to like psychological horror and these super mind bendy type of environments where again, you can just throw all conventional rules out the window and you put yourself in an environment where literally you feel like anything could happen. And a lot of it is horrific that again, that's, that's, that's a lot of my boxes checked. I really dig it. It does do a couple video gamey style things. There is one proper collectible in the game in the form of 69. Nice. Nice. Uh, little, little dossier cards. I'm pretty sure it's the developing team, right. the developer team, but you can collect these little like dossier mugshot cards uh, in the game. There's uh, like I said, 69 of those outside of that. Uh, it's fairly minimalist. You do have the uh, the items and the puzzles and uh, everything else going on, but yeah, just they they don't do too much to distract from this amazing little world. And the whole reason I kind of uh, compared it to to Dread is again this kind of dystopian. You're this elite police officer in this dystopian future, stuck within this locked down compound right. with violent you know, people out for you. So, and dread is also a movie that I love as well. I think it's Same. incredibly underrated. So that was another box of mine ticked. Uh, but yeah, Bloober team absolutely knocked it out of the park with this one. I like, honestly, I'm thinking of anything that I could criticize the game for the one, the only real thing I think I could criticize the game for is there was one time during one of the sequences where something happened and during kind of the transition from one thing to another, my character wound up out of bounds, kind of falling forever. Mm. But just because of the nature of the game, I genuinely didn't realize it for like two minutes. <laughs> like, is this just another one of these uh, glitchy effect things? Yeah. 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 That's honestly what I thought. And weirdly enough, even after I had to restart the, the the sequence, which didn't really take me too far back, um, even after I had to do that, it almost in its own kind of weird way enhanced the, the 
the the experience for me. So it's funny. Uh, but uh, that actually kind of reminded me of one thing. Another really cool thing the game does that I absolutely want to shout out is if you do have to, you know, if you don't play through this whole game in a single sitting, which is again understandable for the length. One of the really cool things it does when you boot the game back up, it'll basically say previously on. Right. It's like, you know, Daniel did this. He went to apartment 210 and found this. But lo and behold, he didn't know what he was about to find next. And I was like, okay, that's right. I remember what I just did. I'm back in the mindset of where I am in the game. So they do this really cool previously on feature when you load back into the game. That's actually really helpful. And even oh, just another wonderful presentational touch from Bloober Team. Good job, guys. Yeah, well, well done. Hopefully this is what we can expect when it comes to uh, Silent Hill 2 whenever that comes out. But uh, yeah, man, I would love to hear that. This is the kind of experience that I really like. Whenever, you know, a lot of times we come into an indie showcase, it's either something that we've known about previously or you've known about something or I've known about something and we sort of fill the other in on it or or whatever. But this was an experience where it's like, hey, we're looking for spooky stuff. Let's track something down. Hey, I'm kind of familiar with this. Oh, it's on a deep discount. That's great. Let's dig into this. Oh, this is really cool and special. And... You know, like that's the kind of experience that I love having making this show. And um, hopefully y'all give it a look again, just four forty nine dollars uh, yeah. US until November 2nd. It's a, it's a steal at that price. It is. But again, be aware, very mature and uh, the epileptic yes. trigger. So do be aware of those two things. But I, I really, really enjoy this game. This gets the 100% seal of Eric approval from me. If you let us, uh, or let us know if you've checked it out, if you've played any of Bloober Team's games on the Nintendo Switch, reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter, slash X, join the Discord, talk to us about Bloober Team in the Discord, and let us know any of your thoughts. If you've played Medium, if you've played Layers of Fear, if you're excited for the new Silent Hill 2 remake, uh, but yeah. Yeah, man, good stuff. But uh, um, honestly, Seth, I'm not going to lie, man. Like the entire time that we've been doing this, I've been trying to think of a segue <laughs> into our top five. And yeah. I I still got nothing, man. I really don't. But I mean, you know, we, we mentioned like there's blood in Observer. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's blood in this game. There's blood. But No, we are continuing our countdowns of monstrous spooky creatures this week. We did ghosts, we did skeletons, and this week we are talking about the iconic bloodsuckers inspired by Vlad Tepe's Dracul. We are talking vampires this week, my friend. That's right. We're going to, uh, you know, grab our our crucifixes and our garlic, and we are going to count down our top five favorite vampires in Nintendo history. All right, Eric, the top five vampires in Nintendo history. What are the rules? Well, like skeletons and ghosts before it, I mean, you guys know what vampires are. And for the sake of clarity, we are once again talking about actual vampiric entities. Costumes aren't good enough. I, As much as I desperately would have loved to have put a little gator game on here. Um, and you're also not going to see Dracula on this list because Dracula as an icon of fiction even predates 
video games. So as iconic as his appearances may be in several games, he wasn't made famous by video games. So we couldn't really put him on there. However, we are going to have a lot of fun with this one, folks. And jumping right into my number five, I'm actually going to get a little meta with this one. We're going to have a little fun with this right out the gate. (laughs) So my number five is actually the vampire from the thumbnail of vampire survivors. (laughs) Okay. All right. So... I was incredibly stoked to play this game when it finally dropped on the Nintendo Switch. I'd heard nothing but amazing things about it. And uh, yeah, they're they're all correct. It's an absolute time sink, an addictive uh, roguelike wave of enemies coming after you. Just literally tens of thousands of enemies that you'll be facing in any given run. But despite the name of the game and despite the thumbnail... Not a single one of them is actually a vampire. It is maybe the most bizarre case of bait and switch I've ever seen in the history of Nintendo. I was, I I kept looking around for him. I kept trying to find, I was like, cool, like, where's the vampire? But it turns out the vampires were the friends we made all along at this point. Because there's just, again... It's called Vampire Survivors. There's a big honking Dracula looking guy right there front and center on both the thumbnail and the main menu. Despite that, not a single vampire anywhere to be found in the game. This one game of the year at a couple places, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's your, your vampire is in another castle. <laughs> your vampire you know, the, is in another castle. The game castle. says it many times. Yeah. These are the, these are the vampire survivors. These are the survivors after the vampires are gone, you know? And I like that's so weird because, again, in the title, in the key art, you would think that they would have at least a tertiary role within the experience itself. But no. And it's it's just so bizarre to me, so much so that that alone has stuck with me since I started playing the game. So, again, just to get a little meta at the beginning, I figured I would I would shout that out to start with. But going into my number four, um, yeah. So my number four is Blood Rain. Okay. Yeah. To to this day, when I think of vampires in video games, Blood Rain really is even more so than Castlevania. Blood Rain really is the first character that I think of blood rain absolutely had a moment back in the early two thousands, the mid two thousands with her original GameCube game. And of course the follow-up wound up getting that uh, really cool hand-drawn art 2d action uh, blood rain re uh, Oh God. It was somewhat revamped. Is that what it is? Revamped is the, is the actual 3d game remakes but uh yeah she got a a 2d action follow-up and then she got those revamped remakes all three blood rain titles are currently available on the nintendo switch in addition to the first one coming out on the nintendo gamecube but she really was kind of the the prototype she really was the the predecessor frankly to bayonetta and dante she was basically 
the walk so they could fly character. And especially for us teenagers back in those times, this mature, sexy character was everything that little weebs from the late 90s, early 2000s, she was everything that we wanted in a character. It was insane how popular she was there for a while. Like I said, she absolutely had her moment, so much so that they actually made a Blood Rain movie starring Christina Locken, made by Yule Bowl. And let's just say that it is absolutely a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. I remember when Blood Rain came out, you know, there was a lot of like hype around it. A lot of teenage boys were very into oh, like sexy yes. vampire woman. The game sucks. Like it's not good. <laughs> um, I remember even back then I was like, guys, this sucks. <laughs> like this is not good. Um, it's stylish. It's very like, it's very much like even more than like, you know, like a devil may cry or a, um, or like a Bayonetta sort of thing. It's actually yeah. really like Max Payne inspired, um, pretty clearly Max Payne inspired, but like, it's not, I like, I, I haven't gone back to them, but I remember even back then I didn't find it very fun, <laughs> but I mean, look for better or worse, blood rain, uh, is definitely a thing that has sort of endured in gamers, you know, memories. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's absolutely one of the games of all time, but again, it's, I, I guess I was just at the perfect place at the perfect moment in time that Blood Rain's moment is just stuck with me even all these years later. And nice. honestly, like I'd I'd still be interested. I was interested when they did the revamped remakes on the Nintendo Switch, and I'd be interested if they decided to bring Blood Rain back in some form or fashion. Frankly, I'm surprised that she hasn't been a guest star in you know a hundred different fighting games at this point. But uh, yeah. Blood Rain, folks. But going into my number three, my number three is Hyde from Coffee ah, Talk and Coffee Talk 2. Great character. Yeah. I love Hyde to death. Uh, Hyde and his best friend slash chauffeur slash heavy, uh, Hala, the <laughs> amazingly gentle, uh, is he an actual? Was he an actual nurse, or was he just like an attendant? Or I can't remember Hala. He works I, at a hospital, I, regardless. Yeah, I thought it was Gala. Um, or Gala, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gala, you're yeah, right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And also, they're totally they're dating, like for sure. Um, <laughs> and like, like they, it, it, I don't know if it's like explicitly, but like they are romantically involved. Um, but yeah, uh, he works like, yeah, he works at a hospital like late night and, and he's, uh, he's also like a werewolf. Yeah. But that, that's Gala. Uh, I, yeah. I remember now because the drink that you need to make for him is called the Galahad, like Galahad from yes. Arthurian legend. Um, uh, but <laughs> Hyde specifically because he's a pretty vampire was a supermodel for the longest time. Uh, but weirdly enough, his role within the game, as much as the dynamic between him and Hyde is fantastic to watch throughout both titles, Hyde winds up being like one of the best advice givers in video game history. He's always there when another character is having an existential crisis, and he's always there with a legitimately interesting perspective that allows the characters to really think about what's going on within their life. It genuinely feels, even more so than the barista player character, 
that Hyde is uh, almost like the Dr. Phil of these games, frankly, which again is so weird because his his basic personality, he starts the game off pretty standoffish, uh, but winds up kind of endearing himself. The the characters within the, the universe of Coffee Talk all wind up becoming this weird patchwork family. And Hyde almost kind of feels like the 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 weird cool uncle of all of it. And he's maybe my favorite character from those games. And this is a collection of great characters. Lua from Coffee Talk 2 is fantastic. I love Rachel. And again, Gala by himself is amazing. And you can't forget Neil. Uh, but Hyde is an absolutely fantastic character. And a, a very unique vampire within video game history. Yeah, he's pretty like... Um... He, he's he's like that just sort of like kind of blunt and matter of fact, yeah, you know, sort of person that you, you sort of need in your life to like give it to you straight, you know? You're not wrong. But yes, go play Coffee Talk. Those games are fantastic. He appears in both of them in, in pretty strong degrees. So it doesn't matter which one of the titles you pick up if you want to get yourself some hide in your life. And the like where he winds up at the end of the second game is also like so... Like it's weird and interesting. It's just I, I certainly didn't see that coming when it came to his character arc. But I don't know. Maybe my hide wound up in a different vocation than yours. But going into my number two, just like with the skeletons last week, there was one character that really falls outside the realm of humanoid that I still felt like I really had to include in my list of vampires. Okay. And that is one of the three lords, Malzano. Mm, okay. Malzano, the uh, the uh, flag bearer, the, the, the title creature for yeah. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak a uh, an exp- a massive expansion to Monster Hunter Rise essentially the Iceborne expansion uh, as Iceborne was for Monster Hunter World Sunbreak was a huge huge content expansion for Monster Hunter Rise and it was absolutely fantastic I really enjoyed running through these new areas especially the Citadel area and fighting these awesome three lords which were very clearly based off of uh, Frankenstein's monster or werewolf and of course like Malzano wasn't just based on vampires Malzano is like an actual vampire but what could be better than a vampire a vampire elder dragon that's how like you just mix matched all those things together and you just find dragons are cool vampires are cool vampire elder dragon is amazing and sure enough that was the chocolate and peanut butter of sunbreak uh, and he was such a fun fight, but he comes in and immediately means business. The The introduction cinematic, which all monsters get in Monster Hunter, the introduction cinematic has him come in and immediately like <laughs> go after a Rathalos, the original, uh, the, the original title monster gets him and he just has him by the throat and he's just draining all the blood and life force out of the Rathalos. And you're like, Oh, they're getting on the nose with this one. 
But Malzano, another great fight, a huge, huge uh, expansion uh, that not only kind of began with the three lords, but as they continued to add more stuff and the idea of these curio corrupted monsters and bringing in extra older monsters and even like golden Rathians and silver Rathalos and everything. The final actual update, the final monster added was yet another version, this primordial Malzano. So he started the expansion and Malzano wound up ending the expansion. Weirdly enough, I actually looked into the lore of this, the primordial version. Malzano was apparently originally very, calm and somewhat peaceful Mm. but it was this this curio basically this monster hunter version of vampirism that turned him evil and he can even uh i mean just like a vamp he can actually uh, cause blood blight on your characters so I mean, they're they're pretty explicit with this character it's like no this, this is the dracula of dragons. And he was, like I said, absolutely amazingly entertaining fight. Love him to death. Sunbreak's amazing. Had to put him on my list. Yeah, he's awesome. He even has his own, he's got his little vampire bats, even. Yes, he does. <laughs> so cool. So cool. And if you've, if you've beaten a Primordial Malzano, more power to you. I salute you. But going into my number one, I knew I had to have an FGC character on here. And weirdly enough, you look at the history of fighting games and there are a ton of vampires, even in games that don't need them. Like Tekken has a vampire for no reason. Hang on. All games need a vampire. Okay. That's fair. That's, (laughs) (laughs) that's fair. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. (laughs) You are absolutely right about that. But yeah, Mira in Killer Instinct, frankly, it was weird that it took three games for Killer Instinct to get a vampire. But Eliza for Tekken, you've got Slayer for the Guilty Gear franchise. But I mean, for my number one, I've got to go with the series literally called Vampire Hunter in Japan, the Darkstalkers franchise. Oh, nice. And a lot of people may immediately be thinking that I'm about to say Dimitri kind of the main character before Morrigan very quickly upstaged him with her twin uh, abilities. Um, you might be thinking I might be saying Dimitri, the Shoto, the, you know, the title character, but no, because in addition to having an FGC character on here, I also wanted to have a Zhongqi character, mm-hmm. a Chinese vampire which weirdly enough has happened in another Nintendo game, but there is actually a Chinese hopping vampire playable character in the Darkstalkers franchise. My number one is Shinko. Shinko is one of the most unique fighting game characters, frankly, ever. Her movement is so weird. If you've never seen or heard about the lore of these Chinese hopping vampires, she basically just has her arms outstretched, slowly hopping, slowly moving toward her opponents. So her movement within the game is just so, so weird. Instead of having any type of actual walk, she does actually like hop toward her opponent. She has this teleporting invisible dash. 
And she's got these massive sleeves that the weirdest instruments of death are constantly coming out of. Instead of hands, she's like, she's basically, you know, not Edward Scissorhands, because she, uh, uh, Eliza Scissorhands. Sure, why not? That's also starts with an E. But uh, she's got these massive blades for hands that are always going back into her sleeves and she can bring out buzz saws and uh, kunai and shurikens and even chainsaw like blades and serrated knives and all kinds of bonker stuff. She can bring out a Chinese gong and use that against, she can bring out a massive like five fifty ton weight and drop that on her opponents as well as massive spike balls that she can throw. She is, absolutely bonkers but because of her uniqueness she's appeared in a ton of crossover titles she's appeared in both puzzle fighter and uh, pocket fighter by extension she's appeared in marvel versus capcom she's appeared in several uh crossovers with capcom franchises uh she appeared in uh project cross zone and just so so many other things she's got almost as many crossover appearances as Morrigan at this point. But uh, just, again, for her uniqueness and for her indomitable spirit, she's a good vampire. She's actually a, a protagonistic character because in true Darkstalkers, bonkers fashion, in addition to her being this idea of the, the Chinese hopping vampire, the Zhongqi, her sister... Uh, was also transformed into a banishing talisman that she wears on her face to banish evil and to keep her good, essentially. So, hmm. because the character's not crazy enough. So the character is technically two characters. Uh, but yeah, Shinko is one of the most... Uh, if. If you don't immediately think of Morrigan when you think of the Darkstalkers franchise, chances are Hishinko is is right up there past her. But I I love her to death. Of all the vampires in fighting games, she's easily the most entertaining, easily the most unique. So I absolutely had to shout her out at the top of my list. Yeah, I've not played many Darkstalkers games, but I know her from yeah from all those other games you mentioned that she appears in. Yep. So just shouting out all my characters one more time, going down my list one more time, very briefly, my number five is the Vampire Survivor's Thumbnail. My number four <laughs> is Blood Rain. My number three, Hyde from Coffee Talk. My number two, the Regal Lord of Sunbreak, Malzano. And my number one, Shinko from Darkstalkers. Nice. Very nice. Well, getting into my list, uh, I'm going to kick off my list with a character named Julia Sawinski uh, at my number five, who is the protagonist of a Vampire the Masquerade game um, called Shadows of New York, which is available on the Nintendo Switch. Um, I'm a big fan of both this and the first game uh, in this series, which is called Vampire the Masquerade Coteries of New York. And these are like visual novel RPGs set in the Vampire the Masquerade universe, which I'm a big Vampire the Masquerade fan. I've ran that game. I've been a storyteller of that game several times. And um, I just, yeah, I really love that universe and having like a visual novel RPG set in that universe is very appealing. Um, however, 
in Coteries of New York, you got to sort of like make your own character. You got to pick between like three of the different clans, kind of make your own character and have like an individualized story. So coming into uh, the sequel Shadows of New York with the notion of like, I'm going to have to play as a set protagonist. I came into it with furrowed brows for sure. I was like, this is not going to be as good as like role playing my own character. However, Julia really grew on me over the course of the game. Um, she's a very interesting sort of like, she's first of all, an immigrant. Um, so, so you got a little bit of that, like immigrant story. Uh, she's an investigative journalist, which comes into play heavily, uh, in the, in the story and some of the decisions that you can make over the uh, course of the story. But more interesting than that, um, she's embraced early on of the game into the clan La Sombra, which is uh, in the Vampire the Masquerade world, this sort of very shadowy can like literally meld into the shadows and, you know, and kind of become one with the night. And you have like this sort of like otherworldly eldritch being that kind of rules over your powers. Um, it's It's really cool and interesting. And as somebody who like, I, I typically in games like this, I would prefer to play my own character. Julia really won me over by the end of the game. And you can really kind of go to like a couple of different places with her. You can play her very differently based on your choices. Um, so I just, I like her a lot. And, and it was one of those situations where I didn't think I would. And I came around to her. Both games, really good. Coteries of New York, Shadows of New York. Uh, and they go on sale on Switch all the time. So if you like vampires, if you like visual novels, at least wishlist them. They're both very good. Nice. Um, so we got her uh, going into my number four. My number four is actually going to be Vampire Wario. Uh, which is uh which is a weird addition because like i you know i was looking at a few things uh when it comes to like some some vampire stuff uh i was looking at like the uh korokura from mario land 2 yeah Um, i really thought that was going to be on your list by the way seth has a fantastic episode of uh behind enemy lines about that character you should check out available now on our youtube channel he crops up. He he's not he's it's I don't have a dedicated episode to him, but he crops up in one of them. Um and uh and and another one like you were talking about the Zhangxi the hopping vampires, the uh there's a, there's a Mario enemy like that too, Pyoing P. Um that uh that also has like a significant presence especially in my Tatanga episode. Yep. Um as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot of like that kind of stuff I was thinking about, but um Ultimately, when it came to a kind of Mario universe vampire representative, I landed on Vampire Wario, not because of its inclusion in Wario Land 3, which is uh, when it was introduced. Uh, In Wario Land 3, if Wario is touched by a Kobato, a vampire bat enemy, uh, he will become Vampire Wario. The design of Vampire Wario is fantastic. Like the sprite work (laughs) of it. It's so good. Um, Not that great in the game, um, like in terms of its actual like functionality, you basically can like kind of fly around. Um, you're not like, you're not actually like walking. You're kind of like flying around, um, in order to kind of like revert back to normal Wario, you either have to go into like a, like a, like light path, uh, go into like water or touch a clove of garlic, which is funny. Um, and so Vampire Wario can't cross waterfalls. He's not that great in Wario Land 3. There's a reason it didn't return from Wario Land 4. However, in Dr. Mario 64... 
I didn't know about this. <laughs> in Dr. Mario 64, if you're playing the game as Dr. Mario and you have not lost or rematched at any point in normal mode or greater, Wario in that game will eat mega vitamins and turn into Vampire Wario. Like He's the, the exact Akuma same of the game. Yeah, the exact same like Vampire <laughs> Wario design and everything. And you can actually, if you defeat him, unlock Vampire Wario as a playable character in Dr. Mario 64. That's so uh, good. <laughs> very good. That was what set it over the edge to me. I didn't know that either until I was kind of like thinking about um like like thinking about him for, for the list. But uh but yeah, that was what really kind of set it over the edge for me. The the Mario, the Dr. Mario 64. Uh you know, comparison. So that's all I need to right now. I got to go play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, well, going into my number three, and this is this is maybe my sort of like Blood Rain esque entry because this game is not. It doesn't hold up, but like I love this game. This is what introduced me to this Legacy of Kane franchise. Blood Omen Two. Yes. Uh, on the GameCube was my first. I like. I re- I remember so vividly seeing that box. Uh, on GameCube and like it's just Kane the main character who's just like got this like guard held up and he's got like his cool curved like skull sword pointed at him and I was just like I need to play this and I loved it uh, and I just thought that Kane was such a cool character um, you know like like I wasn't even really cognizant of the fact that this was all taking place in the same universe as Soul Reaver which like I already was aware of like I'd known soul reaver beforehand, but blood omen was like a different thing that was set in the same universe. Granted, I guess it's like an alternate timeline, but, um, I, you know, I loved this game, uh, when, when it first came out and I was playing it, this is what kind of introduced me to it. I really liked, um, that final one that we got that was on, uh, original Xbox, uh, defiance i think it's called yeah um I, I really liked that but blood omen 2 was my first love that was the one that i really and, and like kane i just thought was like such a cool character oh, uh, again i'm oh. sure it doesn't hold up but i but i really loved it back then <laughs> uh, dude kane and raziel oh oh my dude soul reavers went oh man i just love that entire like weirdly enough uh just like kind of vampire the masquerade they were trying to make a and like a vampire the masquerade style mmo for nosgoth nosgoth was being worked on for a very very long time but i don't think it ever actually released but i would have absolutely jumped into that i would have gotten a pc good enough to play that just to jump back into that world it was so so cool yeah, it feels like like I remember when when Defiance came out, like a lot of my friends were really into it and excited by it. These games are all really violent. Like the cool thing about Oh yeah. um uh, Blood Omen 2 was like I I thought it was so just like cool and like edgy and, you know, hyper violent and stuff. You could like you know, like like the ways that you could kill guards and prey upon people in that game was really neat. Um, and then, yeah, you get to Defiance and you get to play as both of them. So like that, it was kind of like a melding of the of the world. So uh, really cool. But yeah, Blood Omen 2 was my first love back on the GameCube. Uh, so nice. Kane had to be my number three. Um, going into my number two, this is uh, an, an indie game representative here for me. Um, my number two is the Countess... From Darkest Dungeon, one of the most difficult bosses uh, of Darkest Dungeon for my money, introduced in the Crimson Court DLC, the leader 
of the Crimson Court, the the final boss of that DLC. Uh, and what I really love about not just her her character, but like the design of the Crimson Court and this game's take on vampires, it's very unique. And I haven't really seen too many games like take on. I, the closest you can really get is maybe Bloodborne, but vampires in the world of Darkest Dungeon are effectively like eldritch mosquitoes. And like that makes perfect sense actually. <laughs> um, and like, I've never really seen vampires represented in this way. So the countess is, yeah, this like eldritch horrific bug with like a mosquito, like plague doctor mask and like this long, like blood sucking tongue. And, you know, I, I just, I love the designs. I love the take on the sort of like mythology of vampires. Um, they introduced like several mechanics. Your characters could become vampires and actually get hunted by vampire hunters. Uh, if that happens to you, which is neat. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I really, really like darkest dungeons take on vampires. So nice. Pretty cool. I like that game a lot. Um, I haven't and played then, it. I need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. It took That's me what I hear. <laughs> that, that was a game that like, didn't really click for me until I was like 20 hours in. Like I, it, 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 you know, you, you really are going to have to look up like some guides and kind of like get, get a handle on the game. But, um, you know, the, the game has a lot of challenge to it, but, but I really love it. Yeah. Um, but to, to go into my number one though, um, and like, this was like the most obvious thing in the world. And anybody that knows me knows how big of an Alucard fan I am, <laughs> uh, on my, on my, uh, Twitter bio, like it says Alucard simp. I mean, it just is true. Um, Alucard is my number one husbando. There was never, <laughs> there was never going to be anybody else at my number one than Alucard when it comes to vampires. Um, now it's unfortunate because, and we brought this up last week on the show too, Obviously, the most iconic representation of Alucard is not available on Nintendo platforms, being Symphony of the Night. Mm -hmm. um, I wish that were not true, but it is. However, Alucard has appeared um, in some kind of interesting ways uh, in Nintendo. Of course, the original iteration of Alucard is in Castlevania 3, although very different you know, design-wise. Um, Symphony of the Night was really where Alucard, as we know him today, was introduced. Um, but, you know, we would come to see Alucard appear in Castlevania Legends on the Game Boy. Uh, they did a really interesting thing um, with Aria of Sorrow and Dawn of Sorrow, where Alucard is, like, in disguise as a government agent. Yeah, um, and, yeah, it was weird. And, like, <laughs> which is kind of neat. And, like, in Dawn of Sorrow, you could actually play as him in the Julius mode that is unlocked uh, after you beat the game. Uh, one of the playable characters in Castlevania, Judgment. Yep. Um, you know, so that's, that's also a thing. Um, <laughs> yep. they also took a really interesting approach to Alucard when it came to the Lords of Shadow spinoff for the 3DS, uh, Lords of Shadow Mirror of Fate. Yep. Um, in that version, Alucard is actually originally Trevor Belmont, which is kind of neat. It's a, kind of a bit of a twist on the character. Um, so, but you know, like, like the, the different kind of like pathways that Alucard has made in Nintendo history is interesting. It's a shame that we don't have symphony of the night, but like, 
Alucard's Alucard's my boy. He's always going to be my boy, and there was no. never any option to <laughs> number one husbando, huh? <laughs> Absolutely, it's not even close. I would um, unironically like a Castlevania Judgment re-release. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd I'd be into that. I just yeah, that that was like immediately when I meant when I went to make this list. And I knew we were doing top five vampires. Like, okay, number one, Alucard. What's the other ones? Let's yeah. just find the other ones. Who's you know? two through five? Exactly. <laughs> uh, there was no other option for me. Um, but to go through my list one more time, my number five was Julius Sawinski, the protagonist of Vampire the Masquerade Shadows of New York. Uh, my number four was Vampire Wario from Wario Land 3 and Dr. Mario 64. My number three was Kane, specifically from uh, The Legacy of Kane Blood Omen 2. My number two was The Countess from Darkest Dungeon. My number one was Alucard from Castlevania. Now, Eric, do we have any honorable mentions we wanted to quickly uh, shout out here? Uh, just very quickly. I mean, vampires have appeared in so many, just as enemies in so many supernaturally themed games over the years. Uh, you can fight vampires in Loop Hero. Uh, you can fight vampires in, as a matter of fact, vampire is a boss in the original Final Fantasy. So like, there's right. vampire stalking games throughout video game history. There's a ton of them. This was a really fun list to make. Yeah, I thought about putting um, Jonathan Reed, who is the uh, protagonist of Vampire, just V-A-M-P-Y-R, the Death Nod game. Um, The only thing is, I haven't played that game actually myself. I watched my cousin do a full playthrough of it. Um, So, like, I know everything that happens in the story, and I know the character, but I didn't feel right putting him on my list. He would have been, like, my number six. I didn't Um, realize that was Don't Nod. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah. and, uh, you know, I thought about Damien from Dream Daddy, who couldn't be on the list because he's never explicitly outed as a vampire. But come on. Um, <laughs> but <there's>, come on. <laughs> you want to talk about his bondos? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's pretty good. Um, there's also Vlad uh, from Spelunky and the various. There's also Pyongpies in uh, in Spelunky. There's also Zhang Shi's in, uh, in Spelunky. So that's worth shouting out. And then, you know, we do have the cloud version of RE8. So Lady D should probably be at least mentioned here. <laughs> um, Lady you know. Dimitrescu. Yeah. So. <laughs> Please step on my throat, lady. <laughs> oh God! But we we do have that. That is technically available on the Nintendo Switch. So before you know, before the thirsty people at us, you know, we we are at least uh, tipping our sun hat to Lady D. <laughs> well, I suppose since we're talking about vampires, one of us had to make a thirst joke sometime in this yeah. segment. But uh, yeah, there's there's so many fun vampires throughout, like Kid Dracula. I tell you, I mean, it's not yep. technically Dracula. We could have shouted out Kid Dracula from Konami. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a ton of fun vampires throughout video game history, and we'd love to hear what your favorites are. Reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter. Join the conversation in the Discord. We've done a fun of uh, a ton of creature based top fives. This month so far, we'd love to hear what all of your favorite Halloween creatures are. Ironically enough, uh, the top five vampires, the only one of our top five list this month that won't appear as an option in the Splatfest. That's true. Yeah, that that is true, as a matter of fact, which may may tip our cap a little yeah. bit to what's going on next Could week. That but spoil you know, that's, next week, we'll see. 
see. That's okay. That's okay. Y'all, <laughs> y'all have something to look forward to. But I'll, I'll say too, Eric, that you know, one of the there, there's all these like when it when it comes to vampires, there's all this mythology. There's all of this sort of like you know, uh, they don't see the reflections in the mirror. They can't go out in the sunlight. They don't like garlic and this, that, and the other holy water. There, there's also that Fake one news. where a vampire, the vampire has to be invited in, right? And you know, as it turns out, we're inviting somebody in this week. So that's fantastic. Is, uh, is, well done. Sir. Are, <laughs> you know, we were struggling to think of a segue <laughs> to get us here and here we go. Um, we're inviting somebody in. I'm not try. I'm not overtly saying that, uh, our friend Jules watch from a is a vampire, but I am just saying that I've never seen him out in the sun. I've never seen him eating garlic. So, you know, I'll just, I'll just let that hang in the air and you can consider that for as long as you'd like. Uh, but yes, uh, we talked about Dimension, uh, the ward last week on the show and, uh, we, we, you know, had the opportunity to bring Jules back. It's been a while since Jules has been on the show and there's been some pretty big, uh, Tui news, uh, that has happened since last we had Jules on, uh, a release date for Hatch Tales, anybody. So, yeah. uh, we, we definitely wanted to uh, to give Jules the time to come on here, take a victory lap, talk about, uh, you know, a little bit of the stuff going on with Dimension and Hatchtails and all things Atui. So let's welcome Jules to the show right now. All right, dear listeners, super happy to be doing a bit of a, a two-e victory lap this week. Here to chat about their uh, recently released Switch version of Dimension the Ward and the release date of their forthcoming game, Hatch Tales. Finally, please welcome back to the show our good friend, uh, Ghouls. Watch them. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> hey, guys. How's it going? Thank you. Hey, buddy. Yeah, How man. you doing, man? Welcome back to <laughs> yeah. the show. Thanks, guys. Good to see you again. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, here we are in, in spooky season, you know, we have ghouls watching with us. Do you, what do you do for your <laughs> October? What do you do for your spooky season? You know, I, I, I do enjoy it. this year. I, I haven't done it before, but this year I, I did make a list of uh, a scary movie for each day of October. Each so I day. Have, okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I try to watch a scary movie each day. Um, so I made a calendar of all of that and, and I've, I've stuck to it pretty well. Recently, I've kind of looked at a few because I, I put a few surprises on there for me. Just to be like, I heard this was good, so I'll throw it on there. And then I'll look it up and I'm like, mm, not sure about that. So I'll kind of like next it and move on to another one. But, um, but yeah, no, I've been watching lots of scary movies this month. So that's been really cool. Any standouts? Uh, let me pull up my list. Um, <laughs> okay. Consult the list. Yes, I'll go to the list. There's evil um, advent calendar. Yes, there is. <laughs> well, so recently, the most recent one I watched, actually, I'm in the middle of watching uh, Knock at the Cabin, which is fairly, relatively okay. new. It came out, was it last mm-hmm. year? Was it relatively, was it this year? Whatever. Yeah, the one with Dave um, Batista and Rupert Grant. And- yes. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm in the middle of watching that, and that's actually pretty darn good so far. Um, nice. But no, before that, um, The Viewing, which is actually an episode from the Cabinet of Curiosities that's on Netflix. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I liked that. And that particular episode, it's just really interesting, really cool style, really well done. Um, but um, what, what, what are some of the standouts? Of course, It Follows and Megan are kind classic. of new, good it classic follows stuff. One of my favorites. Really good, yeah. yes, so Megan, good. I thought, was pretty fun. I don't think it's Megan was fun. amazing, but No, it was not fun. at all. Yeah, just a yeah. high production, good, fun time kind of movie. Yeah. Um, totally Killer was pretty good, the new one that came out this year. Oh, okay. That. okay. It was on Went Straight to Prime. 
Um, it's kind of a mixture of um, Back to the Future and Scream. What's not to love about that? Mm, that's, yeah. a, that's a good little one. I'm into that. Pitch. It's a I good like pitch. That. <laughs> um, I watched the new Invisible Man. That was pretty good. Oh, that's like, so good. That, yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Ready or Not is one of my faves. I thought Ready or Not was really well done. I do need to see that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fun little horror comedy looking it movie. It is. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, um, I did um, Us and then Get Out after that. And that was fun yes. watching them kind of back to back. Like Us mm-hmm. is, is good. Wow, but Get Out is kind of on another level. You know, what I mean, it's what like, an yeah. amazing movie that yeah. is. Dude. So good, so clever. Um, Did you see Nope? Have you seen Nope yet? I, I have. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's weird. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's fun. But I think Get yeah. Out is definitely my favorite Jordan Peele movie so far. Me too. So good. So yeah. good. Um, and one recently was Oculus. Uh, yeah, Oculus. Oh, on- oh that was that the one with Karen Gillan? Uh, yes, yes, it is. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I figured that you you know you'd be a a fan of spooky season, a fan Mm -hmm. of horror, considering that you've developed a few horror games in your time. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, And as a matter of fact, uh, didn't one of them just come back to the Nintendo Switch that we may have talked about at length last week? Actually, last Mm. week it came out. Surprisingly, yeah. No, I know it's crazy. Isn't that nuts? I still can't believe that actually happened. Yeah. What was the process of doing that? Um. Well, I mean, first. Sorry, I had to like move away from the mic to move my thing there. Um, we had to get the rights back, you know, because originally it was right. um, well, I'll do a very short. I won't even get into it. We had to get the rights back, so we got the rights back earlier this year. That's the short version, um, <laughs> right. and it was a very uh, positive and good good process. So that was that was very pleasant. And then when we got that at that time, which was earlier this year, twenty twenty three, um. My own, the only thing in my mind was, hey, let's see if we can try and, you know, make a new Dimension game um, by convincing someone to give us money to, to do that, which is the typical way on a bigger budget kind of um, production. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, we were, had that kicking around as far as a pitch and stuff that we were going to shop around. And I was doing some research on, on horror games and what's going on right now in, in the market. I was seeing a lot of retro horror games. And I was like, well, that's cool. Um, and I was like, oh my God, we literally have a retro horror game. We literally made one. <laughs> we could yeah. totally port that. Like we have it. Like rather than create something from scratch, which we would love to do because that would be amazing and exciting. Why don't we just port, port our game to the Switch? That would be incredible. And it's it it to some people, it looks like it's a game that's made today to look like a retro game and to some people mm. they know it's actually a retro game so it's a win-win really if you're into that style of game um so as soon as i thought of that obviously painfully obvious idea um i was like hmm okay logistically how do you know do we have all the source files do we have the time or technical savviness to even pull this off um so it was kind of a quest of questions for a while to figure out, you know, I'm not a programmer, so I can't answer those questions. All I can do is ask the questions. And sure. uh, eventually it was kind of a maybe for a while. And then suddenly it slipped into a yes. And we're like, oh, shit, we're doing this. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, I was going to uh, say, because I imagine it wasn't just a simple, because obviously it originally came out on the DS. So there was never, it was never going to be just as simple as a simple copy and paste job. Copy paste. Wrong. Right. Over. Exactly. Yeah. That's the hard thing. Like, what do you do, right? Because um, obviously, it's a, du- a dual screen experience on the DS and the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice thing is, we had, you know, it originally came out in 2007. We did a remaster for the 3DS in 2015. 
um, eight years later. And then weirdly enough, this is another eight years later from there, which is very poetic. I love that. Yeah. Um, and when we did the 3DS, when we got to fix a lot of the problems that we felt were holding the original release back, such as save rooms and, um, you know, not respawning enemies and basic stuff like that, that just makes it more approachable and more fun. And mm-hmm. um, I think we changed, you know, how the ammo and reloading and stuff like that works as well. Um, so, yeah, so the big, the big challenge was adapting the dual screen um, interface to the single screen and how do you do that, which... Um, yeah, that was the big effort really from my perspective. And then from a programming perspective, it was really trying to make sure adapting, you know, it was built, you know, from scratch kind of thing for the switch, but obviously we had the source code. So yay, but you kind of have to adapt what, however the 3ds did things now do that on the switch. So, you know, shaders and graphic drivers and whatever else, all the other stuff, you know, you just have to kind of do it again and do it in your way, but try to make it look like it did on the original kind of thing. So it was a pretty interesting challenge. Unfortunately, our programmers have huge brains and our geniuses. So to them, they made it look easy, but it <laughs> definitely was not. Um, and then I wanted to definitely take the time to redo all of the screens to take advantage of the full screen on the Switch, 16 by 9 aspect ratio that the 3DS is not. Um, so we have to redo pretty much everything in that regard and figure out how to do the health system a little bit differently than the original game. and. Um, and obviously, most importantly, the controls themselves and making sure yeah, the game runs right. 60 frames a second. So, yeah, lots of things. It was a really fun technical exercise um, to do that. And funnily enough, when we first did it, we we just defaulted into the polygons are displayed at the resolution. So whether that be 720 um, handheld or 1080 uh, docked. Um, and the textures, of course, were low res. And I'm like, hmm. And that's fine, right? Lots of games do that, like Quake, Quake 2. That's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. And it looks fine. It uh, looks great. Um, but it made me want high-res textures. And we're like, well, we're not doing that. <laughs> not yet, at least, anyway. Right. So what do we do with this? I was like, hey, how about if we made it look like the resolution fits the textures? How does that look? How does it feel? Is that weird on the on the Switch? And we did it. And I'm like, mm, man, I freaking love that. Am I the only weirdo in the room that thinks this looks awesome? Or is this awesome? I, I don't know. Um, and it, it's a style choice, right? Some people will like it and some people won't. But man, I literally fell in love with the game again. I just love the cozy, crunchy feeling that yes. the game has. The low-res uh, font and everything. Everything is embraces the pixel. It's very... Uh, very true to to its nature, and I love it. I love it because of that. And the game looks freaking amazing. I'm like, well, I was going to say, we you you know we love it. You literally quoted Seth. Yo, look out! How cool <laughs> that is that? So, by the way, that was so cool, man. I I really appreciate <laughs> you doing that. That's that's always been like a dream of mine to be in an accolades trailer, and like, oh, that that really, I was like emotional seeing that. Oh, that's Seriously. awesome, man. Well, I I yeah. wasn't I wasn't doing you a favor, you know. <laughs> I was listening <laughs> to all the reviews, and you had some amazing things to say, and I'm like, well, these are things that I want to share about our game. It just happens to be our, our friend Seth saying them, so I'm like, hey, that's a win win, you know. So no, oh, I appreciate man. it. I'm glad you liked it. So I'm like, as soon as I, yeah. I was watching your video and listening to it, and then you said the things you said, and I'm like, well, that's awesome. I, sh- <laughs> I should, call- <laughs> I should write that down and do that as a quote. And man, um, yeah. like I had the same experience as you. Like I found myself, like I didn't even know that I was like hungry for it again. Like I found myself falling back in love with it. Of like, this is such a nostalgic 
like cozy kind of experience that like take it took me right back to like playing i remember playing through that game over a weekend back on the ds like when it first came out and like just you know like the like stepping out into the courtyard and seeing like the chunky like rain coming down and I was like, yes, man. It, it was actually, it was really funny um, because now that like I know you, like I hear, like I can hear you like talking <laughs> over the speakers at the beginning. I'm like, that's just Jules there at yep. the beginning. <laughs> totally. Isn't that funny? So weird. Yeah. I will say, I have found myself more aggressively swatting at flies in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, the big surprise for me was actually how good and freeing it felt to finally play this game with twin sticks like yeah that's obvious again um you know but but i I guess i didn't really think about it you know i think because it all happened so fast right the idea from Mm -hmm. from the idea of even doing it to actually playing it on the switch it was you know happened so quickly for us internally I was just taken off guard. I'm like, oh my God, this feels amazing. This feels so fluid and and this is it really feels it feels like what I always wanted it to feel like without even realizing that, you know, like this, the DS feels great. The 3DS feels great. I, I loved the stylus controls on that. Cause it is very much. It was can, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I love it. It felt, it felt really good. So, and they are technically more precise, right? It's more like mouse controls because you can really pinpoint where you're looking and stuff with stylus. Um, but man, it feels so good on the twin sticks on the switch. I was like, I think it's because you can sit back and relax comfortably in your chair, mm-hmm. watch it on a big TV which you can't really do that on the DS or 3DS. There's always a little bit of tension uh, with your where you're holding the the 3DS or the DS yep, to play it. Got the so, claw going. Yeah, yeah, so it's never quite <laughs> relaxed. There's a little bit of strain going on there. Um, so that was nice. It felt really good. Um, so like I said, the big focus was getting the the buttons um, fairly traditional and in controls and obviously making sure that you can switch between your flashlight and your weapon, you know, as quickly as possible, because obviously you yeah. have to do that a lot in the game. So making oh, yes. that really fluid and giving people different options to to accomplish that. So yeah, man, it was a really positive, fun experience. And the crazy thing is at the beginning, um, um, when I chatted with the programmers, so Matthew Gambrell and uh, David, uh, the main guys who worked on it, and uh, the first conversation wasn't only, hey, can we do it? It was also, can we do it for this October? And this was this year we were talking yeah. about it. And they're like, Ew, yeah, that, mm, yeah, I don't, that doesn't seem. And I'm like, well, let's just, you know, keep on, you know, keep on chatting and seeing how it goes. And, you know, because if, if we can do that, that is incredible. If we can release freaking Dementium in October, that would be insane. And uh, I can't believe we did it. I mean, it's I mean, testament to those guys, absolute geniuses. Um, and then another another surprise was when we submitted it to Nintendo Lot Check. Um, we submitted it on the Sunday night. Um, you know, then it, you know, then it's sitting there Monday morning when they come into work, kind of thing, right? At Nintendo Lot Check, right? That was the idea. <clears throat> and then um, I need to double check, but I, so we submitted it. Great, you get a little notification. Yep, we've got it. Cool. We'll let you know, you know, we'll get back to you kind of thing. And I think I want to say it was Wednesday. I'll double check, you know, but I th- it, I want to say it was Wednesday. I got an email back saying it was approved. And I'm like, what? Wow. Like usually I was, it was literally out of my mind. I was like, maybe we'll hear that it's failed next week. Maybe. Usually it takes like weeks, right? Oh yeah. yeah. At least a couple of weeks, at least. Usually they'll get back to you a week later to say, hey, you filled out this paperwork wrong or whatever, you know, right? Uh, even before they even start testing the game. But literally days later, 
not only do they get back to you, they get back to you and say it's approved. Like, I, it was a double take. I'm like, what? This is what? So obviously, Nintendo yeah. really have their stuff together. I mean, I, mind blowing. I mean, I don't know. How, maybe they're using AI. I don't know what they're doing. But wow. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, because they're good at testing the game. I don't think they're like slacking. I just think they've got it down. I don't, I don't know how they did mm. it. But there was man. a Dementium fan sitting there. That <laughs> Maybe, really like, I'm taking Marie. this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'd like to think so. But no, I think they've just got their system down. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, it just took a few days and we had the approval. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that means we can actually release this in October. So that was mind-blowing. So that was really fun. And that was in September when we got the email. So it was like, wow. So yeah, really incredible. Very nice. Man, how cool. Yeah, yeah I... I love here. So like, I mean, how quick of that you said it's all like in a very quick turnaround. When was like from concept to completion? Like how long was that? It was a few months. Um, it was, yeah, it was a few months. Um, and I think for the average, um, you know, programmer or programmers, it would have taken longer. Right. These guys are just really crushed it. They, they really did. They're really on top of their game. Um, it's, it's, yeah, they just, they're, they're in it. They're plugged in, you know? So, um, they're just moving, you know, with all cylinders, you know, going. So, wow, yeah, pretty incredible. Um, and well for it to be approved first time as well is completely insane. So yeah, they, I mean, they did incredible. Um, and I was Were just there any to- big challenges that you guys faced in the porting process? Any big um, hiccups or did everything go pretty smoothly? Because specifically, I would imagine one of the things that I noted during the game is it took a few seconds to get used to. But I found that the way the right stick worked, not being directly controlling the point of view camera, but kind of controlling the hand, which mm-hmm. then the camera kind of trails behind. Like I found that to feel really, really good instead of just, again, having the right stick being directly connected to the POV camera. So mm-hmm. was was there an issue trying to get that right or trying to get the camera to trail behind the, the hand correctly? Or did they have any issues with that? Or No, that was really a direct um, adaptation from the 3DS, really. Because um, yeah. the nice mm-hmm. thing is with the 3DS version, that did support the CirclePad Pro. Um so we'd already kind of had most of the game adapted to the controller setup. Um, there were a few things that were touch only that we had to adapt over, um, mm. but the basic controls, the foundation was there. Um, so yeah, that wasn't too bad. It was really just creative decisions on the resolution, um, you know, and obviously technical you know hurdles that they ran into that I'm probably even unaware of. Honestly, I mean, just rendering and lighting and stuff sure. like that you know like then so yeah just technical kind of adapting the the nut the, the guts of the game over um at one point i remember like when i was testing because I'm, I'm pretty much the main tester on it so i, I played the game five million times um, on the switch before <laughs> we released it uh, got pretty good at it um and i remember early on you know i'd get to the courtyard and the tree was just not there and i'm like that's weird and you could bump weird. into it but it just wasn't displaying i'm like that is so peculiar and then, you know, I told Matthew and he fixed it in no time. I, I didn't actually ever to find out why he was doing that. I have no idea. <laughs> Probably because it's a large object and most of the game doesn't have that. So maybe it's a culling a culling uh, parameter that was a little too aggressive. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, Just chalk it up to the cursed nature of the a, hospital. Yes, it's a ghost exactly. tree. Ghost tree. Yeah. So weird things like that. But no, it went pretty smooth, honestly. Um, and 
yeah, no, it, it went well. Um, piece by piece. Yeah, good guys. And I'm just pulling up my email. Yeah, we submitted it on the 17th. And then mm-hmm. I think we heard back on the 20th that it was approved. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was like, guys, let's whip up an announce trailer now. I Seriously, <laughs> I hadn't even uploaded the screenshots or anything yet. I was like... Because, you know, I was like, okay, I've got other stuff to work on, so I'm going to wait until next week. <laughs> Suddenly it's approved. Oh, okay. So then I'm like, yeah, I'm getting the screenshots sorted out. We're getting the key art, you know, all done and all that kind of stuff. And Yeah, wow, it, it was exciting, man. It was really fun to, to think that not only – because I was, I was thinking best case is going to be the end of October if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then that happened. And I think at that point we probably could have released it a, a week earlier than we actually did. But because of Europe, uh, things take a little bit longer because there are 5 million countries to worry about. Um, mm-hmm. So we're like, you know what, let's give it a little bit of more elbow room just to make sure it's a simultaneous launch. So we went with the 12th. And um, yeah, no, incredible, I- exciting. And I, I, yeah, it's been, we did do a, oh, actually another way we approached it, which was very clever from uh, Matthew's suggestion is we got the game to a point where, it worked. There were no crashes. This is fine. We could ship this game. You know, there's a few polish items we'd like to add, but it's it's fine. So let's submit this. Hopefully it gets approved. But if it doesn't, no worries. We'll keep on working on the game for a day one patch or just a resubmission, whatever happens first. So we had little mm. things like, I can't even remember now, but lots of little things, um, like the color of some of the highlights were whatever just lots of little polish that no one would really care about but we cared about um like the like when you're on the pause menu and you move up and down the the menu selections there wasn't the white highlights around that button that you move oh, up okay. and down only the text would highlight up and down little things like that that i hadn't quite got around to creating yet tiny polish items that no one else would really care about but it would bother us if it wasn't in there so stuff <laughs> like that um even the font at the beginning of the um, cutscene, where it says chapter one, bloody blah, blah. That was the old font right. from the original game that isn't anti-alias, but I'd created a new font, but we hadn't quite got that in there yet on the front of the of the cinemas. So little things like that. Like I said, no one else would really care about it, but we cared about it. And we're like, well, anyway, and that worked out great. So we got it, we submitted it, it got approved. We're like, wow, we haven't even done the patch yet. That's crazy. So we did the patch so cool. and got that uploaded. And that that was like approved in like a day because patches usually are anyway because it's not a whole game. It's just a little ad- added thing. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. so the nice thing is when day one, when the game was launched, you are completely unaware of that patch. You just download the game and it actually grabs the game and the patch together you just and have you get it. it. You don't even know there's been a patch, so it's it's seamless. So that was beautiful. That's really cool. I was I was curious. Was there ever like um, when y'all were putting this together? Did you ever have a thought of like we need to put in? Because I, I was sitting there the whole time. I was like, man, I would love it if this had gyro, mm. HD rumble, like all the kind of modern bells and whistles. Was that ever a consideration, or was that like, hey, either we don't have the resources, or we want to keep this a little bit more true to the original sort of retro experience, where obviously that wasn't a thing. No, we'd like to, you know, um, and yeah. it was really more of a time constraint thing. It certainly wasn't a stylistic choice on mm. that. No, we'd love to add all of the things you just mentioned. Um, and um yeah i mean no promises but we'd like to yeah we'd like to add stuff like that you know we have a That'd few things awesome. that we'd like to maybe um add with a, a you know an update in the future yeah 
Well, so I mean, we'll if it's yeah. something you guys want to to look at, it's I mean, it's too bad you guys don't have like a sequel to Dimension that you could possibly <laughs> test know, it right? out on <laughs> if only. like that. I'm just yeah. <laughs> if only, yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe that could be something you think about. I don't I know. know. That, that'd you be know, amazing, po- right? If a the first, in your ear, maybe. yeah, if the game, <laughs> if the first game sells well, and so far, it you know, I think it's doing okay. So if if it continues um, and, and does all right, then then yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to bring you know Dimension two over as well. Maybe next Halloween, you know. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of the reception, like what has been kind of some kind of big standout moments for you? Obviously, you know, you saw Seth's video, and uh, right. you've seen a few <laughs> yeah. other things. Yeah. But uh, like, what's the reception been like from your perspective? It's been really good. Uh, so, Game Explain did the trailer reveal um, uh, a couple, a few weeks ago, and I guess now, and I was very surprised that basically all of the comments in response to that video were positive. So that was amazing. Um, right. And I typically don't dive too much into the comments on our stuff because, <laughs> you know, the internet. Fair enough. Um, but that was actually amazing and pretty great. Um, and I was actually really surprised how many people uh, loved the aesthetic choice that we went with, you know, the crunchy lo-fi kind of retro mm-hmm. um, style. Well, I mean, that's what you were talking about. There's a a hunger out there for retro style experiences like this. Yeah. Um, And actually, um, uh, one challenge was how we do the trailer. What are we going to do to try and get people excited about this game? And because that's, you know, it's a big deal. You know, a lot of people will will see this for the first time through the trailer, uh, whether it's they're brand Mm -hmm. new to the game or if they're already familiar with it. Um, <clears throat> so that was interesting. And I had, I'd had a few ideas kicking around in my mind of, of let's just back in the day, I was more of the mind of let's only show a little bit. So there's a lot left for the game for people to enjoy. And I think in the past, that's been a mistake in some ways, because then you mm. see the trailer and you're like, that doesn't look like it has much going on. And I think like any kind of you know, popular kind of Hollywood movie or anything you're kind of into, the trailer shows a fair amount. Um, Otherwise, how do you know what the hell it is and how are you going to go and see it? So this time I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it and just show off all the cool stuff and and (laughs) see what happens, you know? Um, So I'd already kind of had that in my mind, but not exactly sure how we're going to pull that off. And then Rez, who um, I met, I believe this year, He's like, hey, you know, we've, we've been kind of chatting. Actually, when on his podcast, and and he's like, hey, I'm a musician. It would be cool if I did a a metal cover of the Dementium yes. tune. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> that'd be amazing. I mean, that'd be great. And we weren't even talking about. I mean, he was just literally just saying, as a fan, kind of just make you know, is that is that cool? I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, you don't have to ask me to do that. Go for it, dude. And then I completely forgot about it. And then out of the blue, he's like, oh yeah, I, I got that done. And uh, here, check it out. And I listened to it and I'm like, wow, that that's really amazing. Can we use this for a trailer? Because that would be incredible to come. I mean, that just seemed like such a natural fit for this mm-hmm. new release of the game to come out with that kind of production quality of the interpretation of the Dementium tune done in the way he did it was like, dude, that's amazing. And he's like, yeah, that'd be amazing. So we kind of worked together to kind of get that figured out. And, um, that was, and that was the seed of the idea that was like, okay, great. I just sat down and I, I, um, recorded loads of footage of me playing the game. That was fun. I had to figure out how on earth to capture a switch game again. So, <laughs> cause obviously, as you know, capturing footage on the 
net natively is 30 frames a second. So that's not going to work. Right. Um, and I couldn't do it on my computer because the PC, even though we do technically build the game on the PC, it's kind of maybe emulating kind of the Switch, but it's not really, it's on the PC, so it's not really consistent. And when I try to capture right. it, it just, the frame rate was just a mess. It's like the PC <laughs> was running like 675 frames a second. So trying to get it locked at 60, oh, sure. and it couldn't. And you know, maybe my PC is not powerful enough. I don't know. It was a complete disaster. Uh, so I'm like, oh man. And then I remembered, man, years ago, I bought this, this thing called like, you know, I, I was thinking it's called El Dorado, but it's the Elgato. And I, I bought it years ago. I'm like, oh, where is that? <laughs> I know it's in a box somewhere. Anyway, me and my son <laughs> went searching for it one day and I finally found it. And I was like, oh, there it is, the HD60. Nice. Anyway, so I plugged that in and I got that going. And then I run into the noob um, problem of the delay. You know, you, you see the preview on the PC. It's like literally a second behind your mm. input on the Switch. And I'm like, what this is ridiculous how does anyone capture this way and i just googled it bloody blah and they said yeah just you know don't put the hdmi back into the um computer no no put the hdmi into your tv and i'm like but how how does the computer get the image then because i was thinking the image was transferred through the hdmi cable and right. obviously I'm an idiot because it's actually transferred through the USB <laughs> cable. And I'm like, that's amazing. So it's doing a 1080p 60 frames a second video footage through a USB cable. I didn't even know that. I I was like, wow. Anyway, technology, so, technology, baby. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I kept, so that was a whole thing. I had to kind of like jump into again. So he had to capture load footage, edit it together with his music. And as you've seen, I think it turned out pretty cool. So I think that was a big part of, from a commercial perspective, how do we, try to get people excited about this game, you know, and obviously it was vital to show the 60 frames a second um, and then show off a mixture of, of mysterious shots and then action shots. And I think, I think it showed, it came not came together, you know, quite nicely. Um, and I mean, we, I think as with every game, it's, there are mixed opinions of literally every video game ever in history, even like right. Zelda's and Mario. So whatever. Um, but the nice thing is, you know, I think there's a lot of people who really enjoy the game and are really digging it. Um, a lot of people who are fans of the original DS and 3DS especially are really mm -hmm. enjoying the Switch version. And then brand new people that are like, I've never heard of this, but this looks cool. Um, so yeah, I, I would say the reception's been been really good. So that's been exciting. And then we did nice. the Accolades trailer with uh, Seth you know, you know, on that as well. <laughs> um, and that was another fun opportunity to kind of, you know, present the game in a nice, you know, kind of dynamic way. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun, it's been a very fun ride. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to Dimentium HD in 2031 on the Nintendo Switch 3. <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> Completely remaking it. it. Was yeah, it's been it's been cool to sort of like, you know, get back into, you know, like throwing it back to the DS and seeing how well that all still you know, in many ways, still totally holds up, you know, and I, I had a great time playing back through it. I hope y'all uh, check it out because yeah, we want to see Dimension 2. We we really yeah. want to see Dimension 2 because, like, I love the first game. Dimension 2 is even better. So, like, we need it. We need it. That'd be nice. <laughs> Go buy it. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Um, well, Jules, you had a big week that week because not only did, you know, Dimension, you know, get get uh, announced and everything and all these miraculous circumstances went exactly right and you got it out in time for spooky season. It was right. great. You also revealed a release date for Hatchtails. Finally, yeah, know, that right? Twitter account can finally... 
You know, we can finally stop giving you grief about it. That no clucks given thing. We got a release date. Hatch Tales. It's coming March 28th. Uh, 2024. Uh, man, I am. I was so stoked to see that. Awesome. Uh, good. What did, like? What was that like for you to finally be able to deliver a release date? It was very cathartic. It was very, very a very healing process. I think for everyone yes. involved. Um, did you actually take a breath finally that day. It felt right. amazing, actually. I, I and I think was you know, and I and I did write up a. Um, a, a developer retrospective on the uh, Kickstarter as an update, mm-hmm. and um, and that goes into to some of it as well. You know, in the 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 journey has been a little um, tumultuous and adventurous um, for everyone involved, and we'd finally got to the point where we felt we had solved a lot of the problems that we were having a crisis with internally, um, and you know. So it, it was a really good turning point for us. We're like, well, we feel really good about the game. Awesome. Let's get together and let's actually figure out a proper release date that we feel good about. Um, and let's get that out there because, you know, it, it's insane. You know, you, you, you let, um, you let people run away with their, their thoughts on a situation, you know, and it goes to crazy dark, you know, places. Right. So the, the the number of things that people were thinking and saying about what was going on was complete insanity to the point of us being criminals and all the rest of it. And it's just like, okay, let's settle down, shall we? We're making a video game here <laughs> right. and it's a little delayed. Oh, it's very delayed. Not a little delayed. It's very delayed. But that's it. There's nothing else going on. We're just very, very late and very disorganized, apparently. But that's about it. Nothing else darker than that. So it was nice to kind of be like, you know what? We actually do have our stuff together. We have um, really um, previously struggled and now solved the identity crisis that we felt we had with the game, which we can jive into if you want to. Um, Of course. And... So it was really, really exciting, you know, to think, okay, great, let's release um, the release date um, and also the, you know, some information on what the new kind of identity is, um, you know, with the graphic of, of the character with the hookshot, uh, the updated logo, um, and then just leave it like that. That and the date, there you go. And we'll have some more exciting stuff soon. Um, and... And then be like, oh, and actually Dementium came together as well. So, okay, cool. I guess we'll be releasing, revealing that the same (laughs) week then, I guess. Okay. So that was pretty crazy. That week we went, it felt like for us, we went from um, a fair amount of of a dark cloud negativity about us Mm -hmm. personally and us as a company to, okay, maybe those guys aren't so bad. You know, um, so that yeah. that was nice, and it was very healing for us to not only reveal that and show that we do care and we do have confidence in what we're making and it is going to happen, and we're excited about it. Um, but also, let's do a retrospective to give a little bit of information on what we've been through, uh, not to justify or explain anything, but just to communicate. Hey, this is what has gone on so far. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a little bit more insight for those that. Um, are interested in in learning more about that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was an amazing week. It felt really good, uh, and I also avoided all of the comments because I didn't know, um, you know, people who I know personally were like, "Oh, this is really cool and exciting," and and and, and I'll great. I'll just take that and 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 not not listen to anyone else because I'm sure there's always going to be haters and always people very upset about anything. Um, so, um, we knew we couldn't please everyone and it would be impossible. 
but I we felt pretty confident that those people that have backed it or are just interested in the game and then maybe they didn't back it, they would see this information for what it is and be excited about it. And it seemed like that came across that way, which was really, really exciting. Yeah. And I know, I know communication was always, you know, you, it, there was never a desire for a lack of communication on your part. I mean, you guys even had a, right. a, a podcast that Seth unfortunately killed. Oh yeah, I killed that podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I was on the last episode yeah, of Tui Talks, and I blame I blame myself. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, no, definitely that. Was, I mean, that, and that's what I said in in the retrospective as well. Is you know, I definitely made a lot of um, mistakes in communication, and um, that's just a fact, you know. And um, and it'd be nice once we um, we we'll have we'll roll out a really fun kind of marketing kind of plan and kind of communication yes. fun stuff leading up to between now and the release uh, of the game so it's incredibly exciting we have some really cool stuff to share it's it's insane um but you know in regards to, to the identity crisis that was really interesting you know and, and it's the kind of thing well okay to give a summary of, of what i mean by that is you know the game obviously started as chicken wiggle on on the 3ds and mm. That was the, the game did did not do very well on the 3ds, you know. And, and why is right. that? Right? Is that because of the game? Is that because of the market at the time? Because the Switch, you know, had just been released, um, or maybe all of the above. But what could we do um, to avoid that situation? Like, what what's our responsibility in in that situation? And then when I look at it. When I, I always try to step back and look at our games and other people's games and try to understand um, how it impacts me and other people and, and kind of how it communicates, you know, being a big word, um, to the potential customer that may buy that game. And that's a very delicate, very important kind of relationship you're building there. And it could start with a trailer. It could be the first meeting that a player has with a game, or it could be the eShop banner. Uh, or a review, a review, or just a friend talking about it. I mean, you never know. Um, so really, a, every permutation of that game's existence, from the name to the main character to everything, is vital in someone caring or not caring about your game. Um, they don't. You can't rely on the luxury of them playing your game to know if it's any good or not, because they may not even get that far because of the other things you've mm-hmm. done. So if the name is, for example, Chicken Wiggle, then are you going to check that game out? Mm. Probably not. Like, what is that? Sure. What is chicken wiggle? I don't even know what that means. It doesn't <laughs> sure. tell me anything. Um, and then when you think of it as it's a chicken and a worm and this fairy tale adventure, you're like, ah, that sounds really kitty, really young. Like, what? I don't, I don't get it. Like, what is going on? And then when you actually play the game, like, oh, well, this is like a legit hardcore kind of platformer kind of experience with this amazing editor. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this is pretty cool. I would never have guessed that <laughs> with all of these barriers you put in front of me with the name and the characters, the aesthetic. Um, right. I would have never guessed there's actually a legit game underneath all of this. And that's all our fault, you know, and primarily my fault in, in, in presenting that aesthetic. Um, and so it was kind of like, okay, that's interesting. What do we do with that? So our first approach on on addressing that with Hatchtails was obviously changed the name to Hatchtails um, that kind of helps communicate a little bit more about um, what the game's about. Um, but then um, 
we kind of wanted to make it initially if you saw some of the images early on um we kind of have the level select and you know we you know the and the main menu and it's all very kind of grand and very adventurous and very epic and all the rest of it um but then it kind of you know came we we realized that that also was a was the wrong direction to go because really the problem was that it still felt young and just it just didn't the the image of the game didn't match the gameplay of the game mm. and we're like what is the problem here what why are we being so idiotic about this why can't we figure this out and you know it it takes a long time for us to kind of we 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 were going very confident confidently down that corridor of making a grand epic adventure before we realized well this isn't really a grand epic kind of game it's not not really that's not really what it is it's these nice slices of gameplay kind of mario-esque little slices of, kind right. of you know vignettes of gameplay you can jump in and out of so it's not really an epic adventure and um, but more importantly the problem is still that it's a yellow cute little chick with a little worm on his back that is just cute and kitty. That's awesome, but that's not necessarily the game we're making here. And is that anyway? So then, I think a lot of times you don't want to, you know, face the the music, you know, that you've created yourself. As far as like, well, maybe we maybe they've been characters just wrong, you know. And that you never mm-hmm. really want to admit that, but you're kind of like a big well, change. It is a yeah. huge change. Um, and then we have the complicated matter of it being a, a kickstarter game at the same time as right. well so how do we communicate that without everyone thinking we're completely insane and i'm sure they some people probably do think we're kind of crazy right now but i think it will make sense as we roll things out so it was definitely like okay what's the problem here and how do we fix it um and the nice thing was it kind of came down to what is the essence of the gameplay and it really is throwing out the worm, grabbing onto the ceiling or the wall and kind of grappling around the levels. That's really the unique hook to the game that is um, fairly unique to this game experience. Like that is something that's in this game that's, you know, very different than other people's games, right? So that's the core of it. So how do we kind of, you know, lean into that? And that's how the mountaineer kind of concept came about, like him being like an actual mountain climber um, mm-hmm. and changing it to a hook shot kind of made sense. Um, and then changing the character to be more like a hawk uh, rather than chicken is, you know, I think arguably cooler um, and just more cooler. interesting. Yeah, yeah, just cooler. And then kind of making <laughs> him kind of frown a little bit, a little looking a bit more determined. So it, it was stuff like that, you know, that we kind of went through to kind of we want to keep the essence of what we have, um, but try to be honest to what it is um, rather than, you know, um, kind the of dog go down approves. The, yeah, the dog definitely approved over there. I'm not sure what he's barking at. So anyway, so that's kind of um, kind of what some of the stuff that we've we've been going through the last few years. Well, what can people expect from the rollout uh, of the you know the Hatchtails Media Blitz leading up to next March? Um, I mean, we're gonna. I mean, I can't really give too much away, but we're gonna be doing some deep dives on a lot of the new kind of features that were that we've nice. added mm-hmm. to the game and kind of um, you know. Yeah, some of the changes and some of the additions that we've done. So I, th- I think folks are going to be um, hopefully pretty excited about it. You know, the nice thing is everything that everyone backed from the original game is is in there in some form or another. Well, it's it's all in there, but how you get to it, you know, is maybe a little bit more creative and, and fun. But everything's in there. Um, but now you have this kind of new layer uh, to the game that is becoming um, the identity of the game as far as you know, the new kind of product, if you will. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do some, some nice deep dives and sharing all the information. So yeah, we're really excited to, 
to be diving into that. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I can't wait. And you know, it's it's funny too because like as a fan and even just like seeing like um, all this new stuff, the new redesign, I was like, man, like um, as as challenging as this whole process has been for for you and for everybody who's worked on it, I'm like. I'm just excited to play in a Tui game again. Like I'm just excited to like I like I miss a Tui games. Oh, you know, like nice I miss these kind of, you know, like you guys. You know, a Tui does make unique, sort of good feeling classic style. Like there is an an a Tui design ethos that I feel like is rare, and I miss it. And so just even just you know tangentially as a fan, I'm like, bring it on. I miss playing games like this. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I think you're gonna have a great time with with the final product. I think you're gonna love it, man. I think it's gonna be really cool. Um yeah. I can't wait. I think you're gonna dig it. Um and uh yeah. I, I mean, right now I'm kinda of a little distracted. I can't uh I can't <laughs> I can't uh, ignore the fact that Friday's coming up and a certain game is gonna be released this week. <laughs> sure. Kind of have sure. my attention a little bit. A little, so. Another little platform yes, coming up. I, well, exactly. I, was, I was curious, is that something too for you as you're designing this? Like, do you get inspiration or like you're you're looking at sort of other people making sur- similar kinds of games in this space and you're like, oh, like, like oh, maybe this is something that in. can translate. Yeah, <laughs> Wonder Flower needs to go in here. You know, <laughs> exactly. but like I, I even think of something like Grapple Dog is maybe a little mm-hmm. adjacent to yeah. that feels a little atui ish to me, mm-hmm. you know? Definitely. All of the above, you know? Um really a lot of yeah. times it's um trying to um you know, fight off the natural urge to be inspired by or wanting to kind of, you know, add or change something that you're working on based on something else that you've experienced. But um um yeah, and that, that and that's gonna be fascinating when with Mario coming out and Mario Wonder. Like that's I am so jazzed for that. That's gonna be so fun. Yeah. There's like such a refreshing take on it. Um and that'll be interesting. I mean that's the thing, like, you know, we have nailed down everything we want to do for Hatchdale. So the good thing is, you know, there's nothing really left out to, you know, uh, left to, to be determined, which is nice. We just mm-hmm. have to make it now and finish it. Um, so um, I'm hoping I can just go into Mario and just enjoy it, but I wouldn't be surprised if a few it. things pop out and we're like, huh, that's pretty cool. I wonder if we can uh, do something with that. So uh, the scariest, <laughs> the scariest word in the inter- uh, yeah. in video game development. Huh? Huh? huh. Well, look at that. Exactly. But, uh, so uh, no, it's fun. But the the biggest question clearly is: Can I now expect to finally get a new Dementium and Hatchtails diorama for Pictui? <laughs> that would be cool, right? <laughs> um, hey, you never know. Hey, you never know, man. That'd be amazing. Um, <laughs> that'd be cool man um, yeah and no, Pictou see that's another interesting example of a game where in hindsight um, you know it, it's always fun to try and learn from the games you make and then not only the game itself but how you sell it right so with Pictui it's funny because I look at that now and be like well that name is fun you know that's a fun play on you know Picross and Tui very clever um, but it doesn't really say anything. It does say something. What it says is, and this is just me being very honest. If I was kind of like kind of cruising through the eShop and I saw that, to me, it looks like a knockoff Picross game because it literally mm. looks like that, right? It, 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 we did a good job and I'm very proud of it and I love the game. But the marketing message, the image that the game gives off doesn't match the product. 
Um, sure. Like the name Pictui, that's fine. But it literally, to a Picross fan, that looks like a fake Picross game. You know, Why don't I just go play Picross? Exactly, because yeah. they release right. five of them a year anyway, so I'll just wait for the next one to come out. <laughs> right. So why am I going to buy this? And that was a failing, again, on, on my part. Like, How do we communicate the essence of this game so for people to care about it and, and realize, well, oh, that's why I want to buy this game. And that's the thing. And I, and I really love Pictory because we did lean into more of that kind of brain age kind of vibe. Uh, with the calendar and and you know the the factoids and and then it has the diorama yeah. and stuff some really really cool fresh elements to the game and the categories and the different pages and stuff really subtle but really fun changes or additions that we added to the game that the Picross doesn't have that I feel really add something to the experience and really we should have come up with a name or even a subtitle and then some key art that goes on the eShop to really convey that so when you see it you're like oh it's kind of a brain age kind of Picrossy type thing cool let me check that out rather than oh it's just another Picross game why do I care so anyway always trying to learn you know and try to figure out how we improve that moving forward absolutely yeah man can't wait i can't i can't wait to just finally play it you guys are i mean it sounds like everything's locked in we are confident in that date we are all yep. full steam ahead that's right yes 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 <laughs> can't wait man Super let's fun. go are you um so i remember reading that uh that y'all had partnered up with lrg is that still the case? Are y'all still working with lrg is there are we like maybe can we expect a physical of hatch tales <laughs> Um, not, we are, we are still partnered with limited run. Absolutely. Um, now yeah. the physical isn't guaranteed. I mean, that always, always okay. it, that's always a market condition kind of thing with them, you know, which is totally mm. understandable. Yeah. Um, and because our release date has been completely nonsense for so long, obviously they couldn't, you know, <laughs> plan around that. Um, sure. so, um, honestly, I don't know. Um, I don't know yet. Um, but hopefully, okay. hopefully in the future, that'd be nice, but, um, I do, I, hope I, so, I do not know at this time. Well, but, uh, if we do, we need to get the same person to do the cover art that did it for Zeo Drifter and the Mutant Muds oh, collection. Dude. Oh, right? I know. It's so, so amazing, good. right? Yeah, so good. Yeah, I love I love those covers. Yeah. Yeah, that Muds. Yeah, both of them. They're incredible. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get like a let's get let's get the that. Let's get a physical set. dimension. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's get, you yep, know, get let's Dimension get all this box. stuff. Get Dimension 1 and 2 yes. combo in a box. That'd be amazing. I felt or, like I was in a yeah, box dude. playing Dimension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess technically I was. But right. um, yeah, for, for everybody who's uh, interested and excited about Hatch Tales and Dimension and everything that you guys have going on, uh, where can people find you at, our friend? Where can people learn what's going on over to Tui? Um, atui.com is a great place to start, you know, uh, which is spelled a T O O I.com. And that has links to, you know, our Twitter and all the other nonsense or X, whatever it's called these days. Um, but yeah, we, we try to keep, you know, our <laughs> com updated with our latest games and the links to where you can check out the game page on, you know, Nintendo's website and stuff. So yeah, head on over to Atui and see if something uh, tickles your fancy. And, uh, you know, if you ever want to, R- revive a Tui talks. I'm happy to perform some sort of resurrection <laughs> okay. spell. Uh, we can, you know, we can figure it out. I, nice. I feel like I need to pay penance for my for my crimes. Um, uh, yeah. So. Well, I, I mean, as you guys very much know, it's it's hard to stick to a schedule and keep keep going. Right? Hard. You guys yeah. do a great job yeah. with that. So it's yeah. How long how long have you guys been doing this now? And how many episodes are you in? This will be 176 straight weeks. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> wow. Okay. There you go. Been a minute. Yeah. yeah it's been it's been a minute. But so you're right. It's over it three is, years, it is I guess, challenging. Right? Is that right? Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Three and a half. Yeah. Three Incredible. and a half years or so. Feels yeah. like thirty eight. <laughs> right nice but it's it's super fun though man yeah. and oh, it's absolutely. uh it's always always great to to have you here to to chat about this stuff especially just like coming off of you know just a banner it, it felt good to see to see you and to see a two kind of like get a w you know i was like this is this feels good it feels like we're in like a, a great place and i was just so thrilled to uh to see all of that and to uh to let you come on here and just like yeah man like let's, let's just take a victory lap let's just take stock and just like <laughs> This is awesome. Like we're in an awesome space right now. Let's just celebrate that for yeah, a second. I appreciate you know? that. Thanks, man. It, it felt good. So. And I think, um, yeah, it, it was nice to be able to put some smiles on some people's faces, you know, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. Absolutely. Stuff. Well, I appreciate you guys. Oh, we yeah, appreciate thank you. you let's, man. uh, let's roll out the red carpet one last time for our good friend from a, a buoy <laughs> ghouls. Watch them. Yay! <laughs> nice. We'll see you Thanks, next buddy. year for Hatch Tales, my friend. There you go. Beautiful. Love it. Yeah, we got to have you back when Hatch Tales is, is ready to, to hatch. <laughs> Definitely. All right, man. Enjoy the rest yeah. of your spooky season, Thanks, brother. Buddy. All right. You too, guys. Take care. It's good to see you. Well, that was a great chat with uh, ghouls. Watch them. Uh, big thanks to uh, to Jules for coming through. Yeah. It's been a minute since we had him on the show, so it was great to uh, to have him back and you know catch up a little bit and chat about Dimension and Hatch Tales. And uh, we're we're really looking forward to everything coming from Atui. Absolutely. I, I've, I've got my, my physicals for, for Zeo Drifter and for, for Mutant Muds collection. So I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, keeping my fingers crossed, but make sure to check them out. Make sure to check out a Tui on Facebook, on Twitter, and then make sure to check us out if you haven't already. And if you haven't, I mean, what are you really doing with your life? It would be right. a great spooky season gift for us to make sure to follow us on Facebook on Twitter at all in podcast. And of course, you know, come in and join our spooky family in the discord. We would genuinely love to have you for dinner. Oh, oh man. <laughs> but in addition to that, also make sure to check out all the content that we're creating all over the place. In addition to this show, we do a weekly news roundup live at youtube.com slash all in podcast, where typically we do it on Fridays. We did it this past Thursday night, but you can still find that available right now on the YouTube channel. In addition to your uh, in addition to your podcast feeds, uh, both Seth and I each have done multiple videos this week, checking mm-hmm. out games, uh, Bubble Bobble and Sonic, and a couple of fun garden titles from Seth's side yeah. of the river. So make sure to check those out as well. All kinds of stuff going on. But somehow, some way, Seth, in addition to everything else we're doing, we're still finding time to create exclusive stuff for our amazing patrons. That's right. Patreon.com slash all in podcast is the place to be a ton of exclusive content uh, already over there and continuing to make exclusive content there for our lovely uh, friends and supporters who throw a few bones our way for our hard work. We appreciate y'all, especially uh, our brand new free trial golden banana tier supporter Patrice. Thank you, Patrice. We hope you like what you see. We hope you stick around. And uh, just like Patrice did, you can get a seven day uh, free trial to the golden banana tier and see what the fuss is about. You can also pick 
pick up some merch at bit.ly slash all in merch if you want to throw a few bones our way that way. But if you don't have any bones to throw, that's okay too. Entirely for free, you can review us, rate us, leave us five stars, drop some words on your podcast service of choice. Let us know how much you love us. And it really helps uh, spread the word and get our show in front of the people that need to see it. So thank you all so much for doing that. We appreciate you. Yes, from the bottom of our sunken, dark, black, spooky hearts, thank you mm. all so much to those legendary patrons of ours that we shout out at the beginning of every episode, to everybody who has picked up a piece of our merch at bit.ly slash all in merch, to everybody who has reviewed us on whatever podcast service you happen to be listening to us on, to everybody who has even just shared our content around this vast, wonderful, spooky internet of ours, to all of you. Like genuinely, guys, namaste. Thank you so much. Namaste. We uh we got another one down. Of course, we are heading into the end of uh, of spooky season next week. We're uh, gonna be returning in fine form. Y'all know we, how we do it. Spook the 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 final sort of Halloween episode. Oh We're yes. gonna have our Halloween game ramping mm-hmm. up. We're going to be doing it. We got all kinds of fun stuff in store, but you know, normally we kind of like to say something like kind of cute for these kind of outros, but I mean, to be honest, we're just ready to go play some Mario wonder. <laughs> yeah. Mario wonder and our Halloween episode. That's our next week. That's our entire next. <laughs> That's week, all probably. folks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, but that's, that's what I think I need to go run off and do. It's that's, been great. That's fair. Mario wonder. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and run off too, but guys, we are of course going to see you right back here next Saturday for another brand new spooky Halloween episode of all in a Nintendo podcast. But until then I have been Turok three, Eric of oblivion. And I have been layers of Seth. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Play that Mario wonder. We love you very much. Bye. Bye.